Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 254. Uh, we're excited to be here and drop some fantasy knowledge on you as we enter week two of the fantasy playoffs. So for week 15, we have called this show Throw Some Smoke Screens in Week 15. So uh, as uh, usual, not per usual, D-Rex is not with us tonight. So it's me, Houdini, and Stag Party, who's also with me. We're doing a little Zen casting. So we're, uh, we're both chilling in cold Chicago in our comfortable, warm homes. How you doing, Stag Party? I'm doing good. I was just... <laughs> I thought you were going to mess up the title and go back with the one we talked about in the pre-show. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. Oh, give your opponent some Vaseline in week 15. We just didn't think it would be, you know, sort of appropriate enough for all our mainstream little kids that listen. But I guess apparently you were so proud of it that you just brought it back up again anyway. So there we go. I had to. I mean, at least when you see the title on the site, it won't look as bad. But then you still got the real goings on of the mind. So that's what really matters. Well, I guess what really matters is, you know, D-Rex is not here, but now you've just carried on his spirit with that uh, uh, little start to the show. So uh, he, he's definitely with us, I think, tonight. Well, or, or else he's with a siege here. Who knows? <laughs> you know, if he's hanging out by himself, he's always with a siege here. True that, true that. So we got some good matchups to talk about this week. We're getting into fantasy semifinals for many of the leagues out there. Week 15, uh, lots of different things going on. Lots of big-name players disappointed you this week. A lot of quarterbacks who were in pretty good spots didn't do all that much. And the matchups you were sort of waiting for for the fantasy playoffs didn't go exactly as expected. And if you had either... Sort of Le'Veon Bell, you probably won. If you had, you know, the Atlanta Falcons defense, you had a good shot at winning. And there were a couple other guys that really showed out for you, the Carlos Hydes of the world. But yeah, it was just an interesting week in fantasy football. I think what's going to be interesting is that you're going to see more of the same this week. And the main reason for that is the way that the schedules are, is that we have a lot of uh, division matchups again this week. And we also have some high, you know, quality matchups of, of solid teams. You know, for example, having uh, New England and Denver uh, meeting up this week. So uh, these types of matchups are going to breed for sometimes a different secondary player that's going to make more of an impact. And also, it's just going to, you know, these, the familiarity between these teams uh, is what keeps the fantasy points lower. Yeah, especially the the divisional matchups. The second time around that most teams play, there's usually a 10 to 15% decrease in total offense. So you got that to look forward to, you know, this week. Uh, I think it'll be some interesting fantasy matchups, and there will be some teams that show out, though. But let's first, we're going to go by NFL.com. Uh, we're going to go to their schedule, week 15, and pretty much go down the list. Of course, that's going to start with a Thursday night game. We're going to go with the Los Angeles Rams versus the Seattle Seahawks. This game has a huge, huge spread of 12 points that's been increasing so far this week. And it's up to 14 or 15 points in some spots. And the Rams pulled off the Rams move of all Rams moves when they (laughs) fired Jeff Fisher uh, on a short week. So they can make absolutely no changes to any sort of offensive or defensive schemes. 
it, it, it wasn't this also just eight days after giving him a two-year extension? Well, apparently that extension was signed in the early parts of the season when they were four and zero. They just didn't announce it until the team had went on a you know torrid losing streak. So I don't know. You got me there, buddy. Well, I, I think the game should be closer. Eric Dickerson is finally going to be back uh, as a, a cheering member of the Rams. I think he said he'll be on the sideline because he had the ultimate feud with uh, Mr. Fisher. So. Uh, does that really do anything for me this week in this matchup against Seattle? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's such a short week that they're, they've had no time to change anything. What are you really expecting to change in the offense or defensive playbooks, you know, in the matter of two days of practice time? It's just not going to happen. The only thing you can count on is that squirrely looking John Fossil dude is being able to find his flag on the sideline. Like that's the, the he's that's the only thing that's really going to be possible. He's going to be able to find a challenger flag in his pocket, so you got that going for you in case you need it. But there's not much going to change. So that sort of rules out pretty much everybody in this offensive game plan for me. Uh, you know, you're not going to start golf. You know, Todd Gurley's got the toughest matchup uh, against Seattle. What they do to RBs, that's awful. Uh, you know. Lance Kendricks hasn't been great over the last few weeks, so you're not looking for him. If you're looking for a 5-for-50 play, maybe that's your guy against Seattle. You know, Kenny Brett's probably the best play, but does he get Richard Sherman all game? And Tavon Austin's been hit or miss against this team pretty much his entire career. He has had some big ups against them, but I just don't think they'll be able to scheme him open in a short week and just with everything else going on. Yeah, it's not the ideal matchup, especially with Seattle finally coming home after just getting embarrassed last week uh, against the uh, the Packers. So I anticipate you know a much more focused Seattle team. They have the familiarity with uh, this division uh, foe. So I'm not a fan. Again, I, you say, can they gimmick something for Austin? I don't know. Maybe. But at the same time, does it matter? No. Are you gonna? Is it, is it a viable start? No. So I'm 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 with you. I'm passing on pretty much everybody on the Rams. I mean, Britt's been their best sort of performer, most consistent fantasy performer on the season. But yeah, he's sure to see a lot of you know Richard Sherman uh, in this game. So he he doesn't even look like a great start. He's maybe you know a top forty receiver this week. Uh, Tavon Austin's just the dart throw in DFS, and that's the only reason we really bring him up. But let's switch over to Seattle. Uh, talk when we talk about this line, they've got what the fourteen point spread as of now in Vegas. That's huge, huge. So that's you know good for Thomas Rolls, who sort of got game planned out, got game flowed out of the game last week. Well, they really couldn't run him anymore. I mean. He was running hard, he was picking up big chunks, but then they were down 28 nothing, pretty much at half, and they had to go to an aerial assault, and it didn't really work out, and you know, a lot of these guys missed, missed plays. Doug Baldwin, he gets a great matchup playing against the slot, he's going to miss most of Tremaine Johnson, so that should be good for him. What do you got? I want to ask you about Rawls, though, So, but the one thing you know in this matchup, the Rams are not going to run away with anything in this game. We know that they do have a tough defense, but do you think that Rawls, is is this a game where maybe Seattle even leans on him for 25 carries? 
This should be a game, you know, with the spread that big, it usually favors the running backs. You know, big home favorites is a good thing for running backs. So I think it's going to be good for him. The Rams are allowing the 21st or 21st most fantasy points to opposing running backs on the season. I really like Rawls this week. He should just be able to sort of do whatever he wants. I mean, this game, we talk about that big spread, but, you know, the over-under on this game opened at, what, 38 and a half? That's one of the lowest of the season, so they think it's going to be sort of that defensive divisional battle where these teams have already faced, and it's going to be a little bit more slugfest. But yeah, the rest of the guys, Jimmy Graham, you know, he he got going, just missed uh, by Russell Wilson on a 58-yard touchdown that would have changed his fantasy day, probably made him, you know, one of the top fantasy options on the week, but he's just been so consistently involved and is a top-tier tight end right now that you can't really afford to sit him, even against the Rams. Uh, yeah, Doug Baldwin, we talk about he's in play, but I'm not playing any of these Tyler Lockett's or Jermaine Curses of the world in a game with such a low over-under. And, and the only other guy we really need to talk about is Russell Wilson. What do you think about him? You know, it's coming off of a, an absolute atrocious game five interceptions um i i i still think that for him it's gonna be not a great game but i think that he might do a little bit more damage this week with his legs um i think that they you know they might look to 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 do that to kind of loosen up the defense a little bit uh but i do not look at this game as being one where russell's gonna throw for north of 270 yards i i think it's kind of Probably going to be more in that, as you said, you know, we, we kind of know each other. You're going to have more of those feeling out. And then some, uh, I, I just, I see more of like a 220 yard passing game, maybe a touchdown or two. And, and you're hoping for the rushing touchdown if you're starting him. So, he's, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of with you there. I ranked him as a back end QB1 this week to where you could do worse, you could do better. I don't see that high upside game in his range of outcomes here. But, who knows if the Rams offense played like it played last week and just gave the ball over, you know, to the, to the Falcons, you know, basically within their 20, a couple different times, it's going to be easy to score some points. So they'll need to pick that back up, but we can move on over here to the next game. We've got a Saturday night showing, uh, between one team that, you know, was surging before losing their quarterback in the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and then a team that is anti-surging because they paid this quarterback a lot of money. He sucked all season, and now they're seeing what they got in a young guy in the New York Jets. We shall start with the Miami Dolphins, who will now have Matt Moore under center. How do you think that affects their fantasy prospectus? It, it, to be honest, I, I don't think it hurts all that much. The, Matt Moore is a competent veteran quarterback that is going to be able to manage the game for you, uh, do the necessary things. It's, he's not hes not going to be someone who's going to flinch. You have a great matchup against a Jets defense that is atrocious at defending the pass. So you're going to have opportunities here. Uh I, I don't like what it's going to mean for Ajayi in this game. I think that he's going to, he still could be like a low end, you know, running back, uh, you know, he's probably more of a running back two this week just because of the matchup against that jet defense and that front seven. But I, I think that he'll get enough touches where he'll get a, a grinded out type of a game. I like a Jarvis Landry this week, 
just because of Matt Moore with that veteran presence. Here's a guy that he's going to trust more openly. He'll take his shots with Devontae Parker, but I think he's going to more heavily target a Jarvis Landry this week. I, I, I agree with you on the Jarvis Landry thing. I think he could be, be in line for some big targets against Buster's screen and that sort of slot coverage of the Jets. So I, I think he's in play for me this week as sort of that high-end wide receiver three, better in PPR. Uh, Devontae Parker's also going to be in play because they give up some big pass yards uh, in terms of big plays, especially earlier in the season. We saw them being torched by everyone. I, I think Devontae Parker's got the, enough juice to be able to take Revis you know, out to the woodshed instead of heading out to his island. Kenny Stills, I'm probably going to bump him down as the ancillary player. And I don't think that, you know, Aliante Carew is going to be the guy who Matt Moore's practiced with all season. He, he's he got the most comfort level. I, I, I don't see that sort of storyline happening here. As for Jai, yeah, I agree with these are running back too, but he, he's got a little more upside. We've seen this Jets defense sort of quit the last couple weeks. I mean, they got absolutely lambasted last week by by Carlos Hyde, who just did whatever he wanted and averaged over 11 yards per carry, had multiple carries, you know, go for big, big yardage. So if we're looking at it, you know, J.J. is going to be a strong start as an RB2, but he's been held out of the end zone the last couple weeks. They're using Damian Williams a lot. He's being used as their passing down back and sometimes their goal line back. And that sort of limits his overall appeal to me right now. Damian Williams has more touchdowns on the season uh, since week six than basically all but eight running backs. And those eight running backs, you know who they are. They're like Latavius Murray's, the Le'Veon Bells, the David Johnson's of the world, the Ezekiel. It's like he, he's just been pilfering like it's his job. Yeah, that that's the part that scares me for Ajayi is is because I figure that he'll still probably get twenty some odd touches this week, but it's gonna as I said it's gonna be grinded out type yards, and then he has to deal with this pilfering vulture in, in Damian Williams. You know, at least if the matchup is one of those ones where you know look at a couple of weeks ago when uh, Shady McCoy had Gillisley steal two touchdowns from him, but that was on a day where he still ran for one hundred and forty two yards. Yeah, and in addition to that, basically, uh, Marquise Pouncey has been put on the IR and will now be gone for the rest of the season. And when they had their full offensive line of full strength, that's when they were really, really operating at their best. And then, yeah, he had those you know, two 200-yard games. Since then, things haven't been quite so easy, easy sailing for the guy. So uh, I've got some concerns, but not enough to completely write him off this week. Let's flip over to the Jets side. What do you got? You know what? Uh, you have the, the player who I'm probably liking the most right now is Bilal Powell. Uh, with Matt Forte most likely going to be out this week. Uh, is that right? Well, they've got him day-to-day right now, but crunching in the knee, I mean, that doesn't sound great to me. It, it's going to be... It's going to be a game-time decision for all I know, but at least this is an early game on a Saturday where I'll have some time to recover, but you'll also know early in the week, like Friday, whether he's going to be out there or not. Yeah, and, and the thing is, even if he is out there, I still see, especially after the week that Powell had, that 
they will be more than likely to give him the lion's share of the carries and the touches, and you know that he's the, the receiving back anyway, so he'll be on the field a lot, I figure, in this matchup. Uh, also, as that safety valve for a Bryce Petty, that's where, I, that's where the players who I like the most. What do I feel about what Brandon Marshall and, and, and the rest of the, the receivers have done there? It's God, it's so hit or miss and mostly miss. Yeah, Brandon Marshall's been awful as of late. I, I don't like if I have a better option who's sort of top thirty ish on, on the border, I'm probably gonna play him over Brandon Marshall this week. Uh I, I just haven't seen any sort of chemistry with Bryce Petty. He's not feeding him the ball. The guy who he's feeding the ball to is Robbie Anderson, sort of the preseason superstar who was just mossing everybody in the preseason was able to get deep, you know, was the preseason leader in receiving yards. So if he continues to be targeted 30% of the time with Bryce Petty out there, he's an interesting play, especially in DFS. But if you're looking, you know, I don't know if he's a guy I could trust in season long leagues and think he has no downside. No, but he's, he's the reason why I, I'm not a fan of Brandon Marshall who coincidentally I believe uh, is a three-time bitch slapper and uh, uh, has a good opportunity to be a golden sombrero bitch slap winner this year. But the fact that it's one of those situations, where was Robbie Anderson all year? Where was Bryce Petty all year? They were playing together on the second team in practices. So the familiarity that he has throwing the ball to him is why you get, you see all these targets. Now, once defenses start paying attention to Robbie Anderson, then we see if anything can be happen with that. But I agree with you. I don't want to start it in this crucial week. Yeah, that's about enough of that. So before we move on to the, this next game, we're going to talk about Green Bay at Chicago. Let's listen to this. All right, so we have a rivalry renewed at Soldier Field. Two of the oldest teams in the NFL have been going at it since... I don't know, whatever they say in those ads. Um, but basically, we're going to see the Green Bay Packers at our Chicago Bears. You're thinking about going to this game. We talked about it. We looked at the weather reports. It's supposed to be like sub-goddamn-zero this weekend. That means bad, bad things to me. Yeah, it, it means bad, bad things, because especially it's it's just on Sunday. It's It's supposed to be like 29 degrees on Saturday, and then a high of one degree on Sunday so far at this point in time. So not only is it bitterly cold, it's a 30-degree drop from the day before. So no matter what, your body is just going to feel even colder. Uh, what that means is not much for, for the Packers because I've been to so many of these games, uh, Bears-Packers, in the freezing cold, Aaron Rodgers just does not seem to be affected. They're always still able to throw the ball and do all the things that they want to do. The, the question that, that you have with the Packers right now is, can they run the ball? And Ty Montgomery is the best option that they have at running back. So I, I, I don't see this really affecting the passing game. But what I do see affecting the passing game is the emergence of a Leonard Floyd, who is really starting to show – his abilities. Now we're going to find out if this Georgia kid can play in the freezing cold weather that uh, that we're going to have this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be. I, I don't know if it matters. Aaron Rodgers has been 
getting rid of the ball quickly, getting it out to his playmakers. And then his line has sort of started to gel together and give him a lot of time. We'll see if the Bears can get pressure, but their their defensive line's been playing great as of late. I mean, Leonard Floyd and, you know, Akeem Hicks, and you know, who was the defensive player of the week uh, just two weeks ago. He's been terrorizing on the inside of that defensive line. So I'm interested to see what kind of pressure these guys can get on the Packers. But the last time these two teams played, Rodgers just has this the Bears number. He always has. Uh, so I'm not really worried about Rodgers, one of the top options, a quarterback this week. He's been so consistent on the season, the most consistent quarterback on the year. Uh, so there's no real reason not to start him. I mean, you saw what he did against the Seattle defense, and the Bears defensive backs are nowhere close to being as good you know, as those guys on Seattle. I mean, he might look at the secondary players like the Sheeds and the replacement for Earl Thomas and think, hey, this guy is on his level, but it's close. The other thing is you have Jordy Nelson, who's finally starting to look like Jordy Nelson again. And Devonta Adams, who has gotten over his issue of the drop season, has become another uh, dynamic receiver with Randall Cobb being almost this forgotten third receiver out there. And then you throw in your Ty Montgomery. So the, Jordy Nelson is that stabilizing factor for this entire offense. And Jordy Nelson usually can have a good game against the Bears as well. Yeah, and with Ty Montgomery, they've like officially stated that he's now a running back. So that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. They list him as their number two RB. We saw James Stark pretty much get no work last week. Uh, Kristen Michael was the guy they had, you know, doing the majority of the carries to salt away the clock. We'll see how this all plays out. But yeah, if I'm starting one of their running backs, it has to be Ty Montgomery. And if he's an interesting start at wide receiver still, because you know he's going to get, you know, 10, 12 touches out of the wide receiver position. How how many guys can you say that about? Like, he's got a guaranteed workload. So I I like Ty Montgomery a lot. He had his real breakout against the Bears earlier in the season. So I'm very, very interested in him, you know, especially if this Bears pass rush can get any pressure. That's going to mean a lot of dump offs to this guy and just let him work in space. But he... Has also been very good as a runner as of late. He's averaging 5.7 yards per carry. That's not the end-all, be-all. He scored his first rushing touchdown last week. Uh, but, yeah, he's been interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, the only guy who's you know not really on my radar is Randall Cobb just because of his inconsistency with targets. He hasn't been getting targeted in the red zone. And then, you know, Jared Cook, who's just never really been on my radar. Yeah, and Jared Cook, and this is also the Bears are actually pretty decent against uh, tight ends. They're their top, uh, I think they're number eight uh, at def- at stopping the tight ends as far as fantasy points. Jared Cook is just too inconsistent, and this is one of those type of games where you talk about if there's going to be a player that's going to be affected by the cold, it's going to be Jared Cook. I could see that. Uh, let's flip over to the Bears side of the ball. We've got Jordan Howard, who should be able to keep it rolling. The question is, will the coaching staff give him the ball enough to have big fantasy outputs? Because the guy averaged, what, over six yards of carry, broke off some nice runs, nice chunk plays. But they gave him the ball just 13 times. He had a pretty productive fantasy day, but it wasn't anything to write home about. And and that's why you got to continue to rank him as an RB, too. He just doesn't have... You know, the support of a coaching staff that's going to run the ball a lot. 
even with their third string quarterback in there, you know, tossing the ball around, he's throwing it 36 times. Or, you know, a couple weeks ago, he was up in the 50s. Like, come on, Dowell Loggins, we'll see you next year. Not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like Kenny Loggins. I'm all right. Ain't nobody worried about me. Everyone's worried about you, Dowell Loggins. Everyone's worried about you. And let me put it this way. For this matchup, I feel confident in starting Jordan Howard because it's going to be so cold. And with the weather the way it is and with the the fact that you have the Bears receivers who are just killing it with dropping passes, this type of weather is going to be more conducive to players dropping passes this is the game I figure that, again, if you come off of a 13-carry game for Howard, you see the damage that he does after yards after contact. I think he's number one in the league in yards uh, after contact. Uh, he should get 20-plus, 20 probably 25 carries in this game. I think they were also taking it easy because wasn't it the week before that they gave him 32 carries? Yeah, the thing is, you could say they were taking it easy, but then they gave four carries to the rest of the running backs. It's not like they gave Jeremy Langford, you know, 10 carries to spell the guy. Like, it's not the same taking it easy on a guy and having enormous run pass splits are two different things. Yeah, but it's more that they don't have faith in Jeremy Langford or Kadeem Carey to give them those carries because they're not breaking them. I, I, but you still have to run the ball. That's all I'm saying. Like, you can't run the ball 17 times in an NFL game and expect to you know, come away with a victory. I don't care if the Lions are tough. The guy's breaking off chunk plays all game. If if you actually want to win the game, which you say you do, just give the guy the ball 17, 18 times, see if he could break one late in the game. I, I, I'll agree with you, but uh, at least while they're doing a, a dumb offense, especially for this team with where your talent is, at least... They're not doing, as Todd Gurley said, running, what was it, a high school offense? Middle school. Middle school. High school's too, high school's too much credit, bro. Uh, let's go over. Let's talk about the return of Alshon Jeffrey from his four-game PED suspension and what we can expect from him. You know, with the, with the state of wide receivers and the number of targets he could see against the Packers' defense— you know, I like Alshon Jeffrey this week. He's had four weeks to rest his sore hammies, so he can't complain about that until, like, the fourth quarter. Um, and we've seen that Barkley's been competent enough to give his guys shots on deep balls and also get it to them quick and where they can catch and run, you know, early early in the play. So I'm pretty excited to see Alshon back this week. I want to see what he could do with Barkley and he's the only real other player outside of Jordan Howard who was conceivably a fantasy starter from the Bears this week. Yeah, well, maybe you could also throw in Cameron Meredith. And and the reason you can throw in Meredith is that he showed himself to be competent last week. You know that the Packers are going to pay extra attention to Alshon. I agree, though, that I like Alshon this week for the simple also fact is that he needs the to perform at a high level in these final three games for whether it's an audition for another team or whether it's an audition for the Bears to sign him long-term. So that's really important for him. I agree. Let's uh, let's hear about draft. All right. Well, you know, we already know that you love playing fantasy, so we know that you'll love playing fantasy on draft. 
Uh, Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts, just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season-long league, which are the most fun, by the way. Uh, You can do drafts whenever you want. Uh, They last for just one day, and they take only minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free or, better yet, play for money. And get this, your chances of winning on Draft are over 200% better than your chances of winning on DraftKings or FanDuel. Uh, We've been doing drafts all week, and we did one just before the show. And this one was interesting because Stag Party went after the the Shady McCoy with the matchup that he has at home against the Browns, which we'll talk about. And I took his boy, Devonta Freeman, who's at home against the hapless 49ers. So we're going to see which foundation is going to work out better. So, but just you guys should join us uh, out there on, on draft. And when you download draft, Be sure to enter the promo code PYRO, all caps, P-Y-R-O, to download. Just search DRAFT, that's all caps, D-R-A-F-T, in the App Store, and it will come up first, or you can go to PlayDraft.com. Remember to enter the promo code PYRO, that's all capitals, P-Y-R-O, when you download, so you get your 100% deposit bonus. Make sure that you download DRAFT now. We'll see you in there. Yeah, now let's talk about that Cleveland at Buffalo matchup, which you referenced. So when we talk about the Browns, we saw last week, you know, in the snow that they can't really be trusted, you know, especially with RG3 out there. I want nothing to do with RG3. Isaiah Crowell had a pretty nice game there, rushing for over 100 yards, but he's sort of a flex play at best. Uh, who, if you need five or six points, he'll get you five or six points. Uh, and if you're looking for anything with that high upside of, you know, a 24 point game, Isaiah Crowell just isn't for you. Uh, you need a guy, you know, more like a Terrell Pryor, who's maybe their only other interesting sort of prospect. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, he's either the greatest thing since sliced bread or he's garbage. If you talk to Pac-Man Jones. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of am intrigued by an Isaiah Crowell this week. Um, I look at Buffalo's defense and where they've been susceptible is to the running back. I mean, they, they give up the fifth most uh, rushing yards per game at nearly 126. Uh, as far as touchdowns, they are second in the league, giving up 18 rushing touchdowns. Now, the one thing is that they don't give up the big play. You've only had uh, one run of 40 or more yards and only nine runs of 20 or more yards. So they're, they're a stingy defense that way, but, it, but they, for the way that Crowell and, and, and the Browns use him and Hugh, you know, Hugh Jackson, I could see it being a, a heavy carry game for him. What do you got? Was, were, were all nine of those runs to Le'Veon Bell last week? <laughs> like, he torched them. So, yeah, I could see playing Crowell, but he's more of, you know, the DFS cheap play you're looking for, uh, you know, on FanDuel or DraftKings. But I really can't see slotting him into my RB2 slot and feeling uber confident about it. He's more of a flex play for me just because he has a lot of downside, especially if, you know, Buffalo could just get rolling, score some points early, 
And then it's like, oh, bye-bye Isaiah Crowell from the whole game plan. And we've seen that a lot so far this season. So that that's something that's always bad. But, yeah, I think Terrell Pryor's, you know, an RV th- or, uh, wide receiver three. He's got upside of an R- uh, running back. Why, why do I keep saying running oh. back? All I can think about is running backs. <laughs> I don't know what you're so. doing. <laughs> It's so, that monster. It's that, got, mon- it's that monster that you're drinking. You know, it's it's gone straight to your head. I wish, uh, but yeah, he's got wide receiver one type of upside in any given week. But he's also got a lot of downside. He's that boom bust type of wide receiver three in the Deshaun Jackson mold. But he's got a little bit more touchdown ability just because you know he's bigger. They look to him in the red zone. I'm staying away from everybody else besides potentially Pryor and Isaiah Crowell on the Cleveland Browns. Gary Barnage was their most targeted player last week. We'll see if that's something that can continue, but Buffalo is pretty tough against opposing tight ends. So he's not a great play in my estimation. It just comes down to those two guys. But the real reason we're talking about this game is so we could talk about players on the Buffalo side of the ball. Let's get there. Because Tyrod Tate. Let's let's do this. Remember how we do this? Tyrod Taylor's in play again because he's been named the starter when nobody else on that team deserves a shot. But he's looked susceptible at times. You know, he hasn't looked awesome at times. But against Cleveland, they just made Andy Dalton look like God. They made Andy Dalton look like God multiple times this season. So I'm excited about... Uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor, especially with, you know, Sammy Watkins back out there playing a full complement of snaps at wide receiver, you know, getting in that end zone for the first time. That's going to be a big boost for him. I'm excited about Sammy Watkins. I'm excited about LaShawn McCoy. We talked about it in draft in the draft promo. You want LaShawn McCoy this week. He is he arguably is a better play than like Zeke this week and that that's tough to do any given week with how you know productive he's been we saw last week that he was still sort of the goal line back on some plays I'm even excited about Mike Gillisley I think he if you need a desperation flex play you could do worse than Gillisley yeah that's that's kind of my fear for for McCoy is that Gillisley is going to just steal touchdowns from him again because (laughs) you're gonna have one of these situations excuse me <clears throat> had to clear my, my throat there. You have one of these situations where McCoy moves the ball from the 25-yard line, they kick it into the end zone, and takes the ball all the way down to the five-yard line, comes out, Gillisley comes in, steals the touchdowns like he's been doing all year, and for whatever reason, they seem to trust Gillisley more in that inside the five-yard line than they do McCoy. Yeah, but it didn't happen last week. McCoy was the one who got the goal line work. Uh, especially in the snow, he he's a guy I just trust more. I, but I I see the appeal as Gillisley as maybe is he a guy who you could spend like you know very little money on who could score two touchdowns this week after McCoy gets his one hundred and twenty and one. But yeah, the upside of McCoy this week is huge, huge. Yeah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to discount that. I'm all on board. If you have McCoy, this is one of those bring it home. But if you are in a deep league, a 14-team league or a 16-team league, and you're looking at that you know, potential last flex play, who am I going to use? Well, Gillisley is a guy, especially with this matchup, where they could get ahead of him, and then you, you start, you know, you're just wearing him out in the second half. 
he could get a lot of touches and, and he could break it against this defense and you have the strong potential for him to get at least one touchdown this week. Yeah, I like that. Uh, also, Charles Clay found the end zone for the first time last week. He gets the Cleveland Browns, who are awful against tight ends. If you're looking for one of those guys who you don't have to spend much money on and a low-cost option in DFS, Charles Clay's your guy. In season-long leagues, I don't see how I can convince myself to start him because even being a tight end streamer that I am, I can't. I, I own him in my 16-team league. Oh, actually, I did own him. I dropped him uh, uh, about four weeks ago. He only play. He does play better when Sammy Watkins is in the game, but he's not going to give you the, that high end performance. And, and look, if you look at his numbers from last week, it was benefited by the forty yard touchdown with some of the worst tackling I've ever seen on the sideline. All anybody had to do was just bump him out of bounds, and they just completely whiffed. So yeah, I'm with you. Know, you. I, I, I want to say uh, the, the next game that we're going to get into uh, will be the Eagles uh, at the Ravens. But before we get there, we're going to keep the lights on and pay some bills. All right. So now we're back and we got the Philadelphia Eagles going in to take on the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, Carson Wentz and, uh, the whole mishmash of guys that you have on this team because it's a fantasy conundrum when you're looking at the Eagles. Can you trust any Eagles this week, Stags, in, in the most important week 15, or is this a smokescreen week for the Eagles? I pretty much want nothing to do with the Eagles on the road. The two guys you're possibly looking at, Jordan Matthews, he's been consistently targeted. Uh, in PPR leagues, he seems to have that nice floor for you. In the 10-point range, you're looking at Jordan Matthews, potentially. Then you're looking at Zach Ertz, but Zach Ertz has a real tough spot to go to uh, against the Ravens, who are one of the toughest teams, you know, year after year against opposing tight ends. But Ertz has just been on such a hot streak. They're targeting him so much, and, you know, they've even started working him in in the red zone to where it could be valuable. But I think this week, if you're looking at Zach Ertz, and you see he caught, what, 10 for 112 last week, like cut that in half. Maybe you think five for 56 and that could be your Zach Ertz game this week. And if, if you could live with that, you want 10 points in a PPR league, you know, go ahead and play with some, but you need, if you need the upside, uh, I, I don't look here for the upside. No, I'm a hundred, hundred percent on board with you here. I, I don't see the upside there. Ertz would be probably my best play. I don't want to start any of the running backs. You know, if I have to, who? Yeah, go ahead. I don't because I don't even know what I want to say about those running backs. Go ahead. Well, the thing is, you know, Darren Sproles suffered that concussion on that arguably, you know, dirty cheap shot on the punt return. So, and he's you know going through the concussion protocol. We don't know if he'll be back. Wendell Smallwood, he's got a knee, so we'll see overall what happens with Smallwood during the course of the week. So that could give, you know, Ryan Matthews the lion's share of the work, but he's still going up against the Ravens who, despite their struggles against, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots and LeGarrette Blunt, you know, they're one of the toughest teams in the league to run against. We've seen this Philadelphia offense struggle on the road. Yeah, he's a flex play at best, but is he a guy who could fall into the end zone if they get close enough? 
We've seen that. Yeah, he's been a guy who can score touchdowns from the one this season, but not much else. Yeah, and I'd also be be wary, even if Darren Sproles is cleared to play. Also remember, he's playing with a fractured rib. So, you know, this this this, this is a lot of banged up going on there. I, I don't have anything else to say on the Eagles unless you got something. No, nope, let's flip it over to the Ravens. We'll talk about Joe Flacco, who's coming off a string of, you know, pretty nice fantasy performances in the last couple weeks. He gets the Eagles, who in the secondary have been absolutely torched over like the last eight weeks. So fire up Joe Flacco if you need a streamer at home. It could be good things for this guy. You know, the Eagles are still stout against the run, which could, you know, lead to tough things for Terrence West. So maybe this is another game where Kenneth Dixon gets the lion's share of the sort of passing game work and they go with sort of more of the aerial assault. Uh, And that makes sort of all his weapons, you know, fairly viable. Dennis Pitta... I'm going to avoid them, you know, just because the Eagles are tough against tight ends. But both those wide receivers and Steve Smith, hey, I can use Steve Smith, Mike Wallace, you know, those guys are viable. Even Brashad Perriman, who's been getting heavily involved. And that's, I mean, I think all three of those guys are in play. I'd probably still play Smith, then Wallace, then Perriman. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you in that order. The thing that's interesting to me is that when you were talking about it, and I'm, and I'm sitting here looking, thinking, Joe Flacco, I like Joe Flacco as a play, but can I, I can't pinpoint which wide receiver I think is going to have the best chance. And, and the thing that, that's interesting is you have Brashad Perriman, who was a first-round pick last year. Now they finally have really started to get him more involved, and he's starting to catch these deep passes, and, which, is, which is bringing an extra dimension. That's what Mike Wallace had brought to this offense before. But again, you have also Steve Smith, who we know was in his last you know, season as, as, a, as a pro. You have you see the transition as well. Terrence West is, is not a, a running back that they really have any investment in for the future. They are seeing the growth of Kenneth Dixon. So I, I kind of look at this as a team that still has playoff aspirations, but but realizes that if they're really going to achieve that, they need to get contributions from these young players that they are going to be, that are going to be part of their team 100% going into next year. So I kind of see that like a smart move by a coaching staff that's getting these guys more involved, which is why I agree with you that a Brashad Perriman actually is in play this week. And Kenneth Dixon was a guy who I really liked going into that last week's game. Uh, anyway, I had him as one of my uh, my my sleeper type plays for uh, DFS. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I think overall, you know, you know the guys you could start here. The rest of the guys are just dart throws. They're they're risky plays. They've got some upside. They've got a lot of downside. But that's that's pretty much every single player on the Ravens. Uh, that's pretty much every single player on the Ravens. They've all got a lot of upside. They've all got a lot of downside to go along with it. Could any of these guys catch three passes for 20 yards in a given week? Absolutely. Could any of them have the 100-yard game with the touchdown? Yeah, and I think that even includes Dennis Pitta, even though they're tough against opposing tight ends. Uh, let's let's do a little pyro promo here. You could like, you know, subscribe, listen to us on you know, iTunes, on Stitcher, on, you know, just a variety of different outlets. We're on Google Play. We're everywhere. Uh, you know, 
you can listen to us anywhere and it's going to work out for you. We are so everywhere. Like, we are like, we are, rate, we are everywhere. Yeah. Just rate, listen, subscribe, do all that stuff for us. So we can, you know, increase our stature and that'd be great. Uh, let's now talk about Tennessee at KC Marcus Mariota coming off a game in which he threw for just 88 passing yards, but they were able to come away with one of those hard-fought victories against the Denver Broncos. What do you think about uh, Mariota's chances of rebounding here? It, it just does not match up well. You, you talk about how your strength of schedule, and this is where I, I always talk to friends all the time. They're like, well, who should I start this week? And I'm like, well, you know, and it may be one of their better players. And I'm saying, I, I honestly, with what you have on your bench, I would start this guy over, over, over like a, you know, okay. So I would start a Eli Manning this week over a Marcus Mariota, right? Because the matchup is so much better. Mariota just has a horrible stretch here, had to go from Denver, then goes to, uh, you know, gets Kansas City. It's not going to get any better for him uh, next week as well. Yeah, what do you got, Stags? Well, in addition to getting Kansas City, he gets Kansas City, who's coming off a Thursday night game. They're still going to be at home, uh, at Arrowhead, where they play tough, they play loud, those fans are screaming their asses off. Uh, so yeah, I, I see it being a little bit tougher for Mariota to get going, but I, I think this is a slightly better matchup for him than last week. Then we saw against, you know, that, you know, vaunted sort of Denver defense. I, I think he's got some appeal this week, uh, just cause they could need to throw it, you know, against Kansas city. They're allowing 17 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. The real thing you worry about with Kansas City is can they get that pass rush and can they intercept the guy because we've seen that he has a penchant for throwing pick sixes. Uh, and Kansas City is one of the best teams at you know picking off the pass and taking it to the house. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. that That's another reason. That's an opportunistic defense. I think we talked about that last week in our, in our, uh, uh, our podcast, how this defense is that way. But the, the thing where I like – for Tennessee is actually a DeMarco Murray. You know, you, you, you have the injury to Derek Johnson. So you, you have an ability to take it to them uh, into their defense in the middle of that defense, where I think you didn't have the opportunities before. I think it opens up a few more holes. We've also seen Derek Henry doing a hell of a job running hard as well. So I, I, I think I look for Tennessee to try to keep it a little bit closer in that regard. I, I, I do agree that it's an easier game for Mariota than what he had to deal with against the Broncos, just because you don't have the secondary that the Broncos have. You do have a, it, this is where the benefit is. The Broncos are just a shutdown secondary. Whereas the Chiefs are more of that gambling secondary. And a gambling secondary can gamble and miss. And when they miss, you can hit big. So this is one of those weeks where I, I'll tell you what, Rashard Matthews, I, I kind of like to, to play him this week because of the, the they'll take a couple shots to his way, and I think that they're going to gamble and miss on one of them. And Delaney Walker, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm taking him all day right now too. Yeah, the Chiefs are notoriously tough against tight ends seemingly every season, but with you know Derek Johnson, he's one of the guys they deploy against tight ends. But you know the main guy who's their tight end stopper is Eric Berry. He's one of the best safeties in the league. He still hasn't gone anywhere, you know. But 
there's so many worse options at tight end that it's hard not to play a Delaney Walker. Uh, and in DFS, his price is sort of suppressed for the matchup. So he's even got a chance to smash value there as a contrarian play who, you know, when you look at it, the, the matchup's tough. A lot of people might be off. So I, I like that. You know, DeMarco Murray's been consistent as hell all season. Just play that guy. Uh, you know, not much else to say. I, I also agree with you on Richard Matthews. But, yeah, I think Marcus Mariota is sort of a mid-tier QB2 this week rather than, you know, barely in the top 20 last week. I think he's more of QB15. He's got a little bit of upside. He's also got some downside. So, But if you need that upside he showed earlier in the season, he's not a bad play. But you know what? No, it's interesting. Let's flip it to the other side because I, I think that the player of the two quarterbacks this week who I'd rather play, and I, I don't think I ever normally say this, I think I'd rather play Alex Smith. Um, I, you know, you look at what Tennessee has allowed to, to quarterbacks and it's the, you know, what is it? The third most in the league at 18.3 fantasy points per game. Um, we saw what, uh, Alex Smith can do as a game manager, but with a player like Tyreek Hill, who is able to now start exploiting defenses, you have Jeremy Macklin who, whether he's going to actually be an effective player or whether he's going to be just a great decoy is that you would now also have with, and you have Travis Kelsey. So you now have enough levels of, of players that the addition of Tyreek Hill and his just ability to, to make plays finally makes Alex Smith somewhat viable. And in this matchup, I think very viable as a, as a sneaky play. Yeah, he's a sneaky play. I think you could look at him at DFS, but he just doesn't have that huge upside that you look for as a tournament winner. But in cash games, he's a good play. Uh, uh, the other guys... Hold on. I got a question, though, for you. Because I'm not I'm not saying he's a top 10 play, right? What I'm saying is, between Mariota and Alex Smith, I would rather play Alex Smith this week, also because of the fact that I don't see Tennessee as a ball-hawking defense as well. I mean... So if you have a pick between these two, who are you taking? Marcus Mariota. All right. Side side bet for a buck on who has more fantasy <laughs> points. I'll run with that. All right. That's fine. All right. uh, I, I just like Mariota so much more, and if he can make one play with his legs, he's going to smash Alex Smith. Watch Alex um, Smith go off for 55 yards rushing and, like, two rushing touchdowns this week. <laughs> something he hasn't done all year long. Until but getting back week. To, all right, go ahead. I'm done. Yeah. Get, getting back to it, Tennessee's very tough against opposing running backs. They seem to just clog up the middle, and then that creates the funnel defense effect where the best way to attack these guys is through the air. Travis Kelsey's a great start. Tyreek Hill's a great start. Jeremy Macklin, you know, just because we haven't seen much coming back from that injury, he he's more of a desperation flex play than anything else. Uh, Chris Conley got really involved last week, caught a couple deep passes. That only helps your boy Alex Smith out. And we've seen Al- Albert Wilson be serviceable. But yeah, the real pieces here are, you know, potentially Alex Smith. Uh, I think he's a good DFS playing cash. Other than that, Travis Kelsey all day. He's currently the tight end one in standard scoring and in PPR scoring, smashing his draft value. Yeah, the uh, and the uh, oh, sorry, uh, the only thing I'm and then it just say, comes down to Spencer Ware. Sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Before you get to Spencer Ware, 
just on the people who are looking at Albert Wilson and Chris Conley, it's their big plays when they hit, but they're not getting enough receptions and targets on a weekly basis that you can even think about starting them for a finals matchup here or a semifinal matchup. Yeah. I, I in no way hinted at that. I just said it helps Alex Smith. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Spencer Ware. He's the guy you're looking at as the running back. Sure, Kendrick West was the guy to sort of vulture a touchdown from him last week. But Ware's just playing a lot of snaps uh, against Tennessee. Tough defense, but you know all he needs is that one sort of touchdown to you know get some value for you. He's been you know super effective this season. I, I still think you start him as an RB two. You just temper your expectations against Tennessee. That's all we've really got here. Before we get on to the next game, let's listen to this. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Big Ben, you know, had a dog crap game last week. Will he be able to rebound in a divisional game on the road where it could probably be cold as hell in Cincinnati as well? Like, I temper my expectations on Big Ben. It just seems like this is another game where they could just ride Le'Veon Bell, you know, to to a playoff spot. And what do they got to lose? I mean, he's a guy who's going to be on a free agent contract. You know, he's going to be out there. Maybe they've put a franchise tag on him. We'll see what happens with that in the offseason. But until then, you're battling for your playoff lives. You got to ride Le'Veon Bell with, you know, how hot he's been. He's providing value as a receiver, you know, catching like five passes every single week he's been in there. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, just play the man. Antonio Brown, even in a, you know, snowstorm that they played in last week, catches five passes for 78 yards. You play him. So it really comes down to Big Ben and Ladarius Green. I just got to temper my expectations uh, on Big Ben. You know, he's a worse road quarterback, but usually when he comes off one of those down games, he usually just comes out for vengeance and destroys. And with all the crap talking that Cincinnati does and sort of their playoff rivalry from last year and everything that sort of happened, you know, with this team over the course of the year, I think he's an interesting play, except I'm just not sold on it. Like, I'm not perfectly convinced. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not a big I'm not gonna play Big Ben with any confidence this week. I, I'll tell you, these this divisional matchup is uh, is not it's not going to be the easiest one for him. You have a situation for uh, Roethlisberger where I'm I'm agreeing with you 100 percent that it's going to be a Le'Veon Bell type of a game. Um, this is it's it's just that division matchup messes with me. I look at Big Ben as being a guy, and you're also going to have bad weather potentially too. I mean, we have this cold streak that's going across the uh, the, the, the Midwest. Uh, there's There could be potentially snow at this matchup as well if the weather forecasts hold up. So in those sloppy performance type games, yeah, you're going to still start Antonio Brown. Uh, I, I don't trust Ladarius Green enough, uh, especially with uh, uh, the the, uh, the linebackers of the, the Cincinnati Bengals. This is one of those games where I could absolutely see a Vontez Perfect doing something that's going to piss somebody off. And, uh, you know, it, it just 
I, I'm on Bell and, and Brown, and and I'm really bailing on the other B. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, Green, he's interesting just because the Bengals are giving up the 30th most fantasy points to opposing tight ends on the season. The matchup's great. He's got so much upside. They're not asking him to block. Whenever he's out there on the field, you know, he's running a route, and then he's being targeted on 20% of his routes when he is running one. So that's a great percentage of his sort of routes to be targeted on. All, all the numbers are there. They don't really have a, a second wide receiver. We talk about how Le'Veon Bell has been serving that role for them, you know, pretty much since he came back from his suspension. But yeah, I, the only guy I'm not sold on is Big Ben. But if I'm sold on all his other weapons, I sort of have to be sold on him. And he's he's a guy who rebounds well from bad games. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Well, I'll disagree with why you have to be sold on him. You're sold on Le'Veon Bell, which adds a little bit to him in the in, as, as a quarterback. You're sold on Antonio Brown. You might be sold on Ladarius Green, but you need to be sold on at least another wide receiver and there and there's not another one that i'm not sold on eli rogers i'm not sold on sammy Coates. i'm not sold on any of those guys any of those guys having a potential to go for more than 25 yards yeah i i agree so i guess i i guess i can see how he ends up as a back-end qb1 you know, rather than a complete disaster that he was last week. He he made some real awful decisions in the snow. You know, that touchdown pass to Jesse James was, or that interception on a touchdown throw to Jesse James was egregious. Uh, if you could have just, you know, picked another shoulder to throw it over, you know, it's an easy, you know, turn and catch. So uh, I, I could see where he doesn't return value. Well, my question is, I, I'm also concerned about weather. You know, again, it's, it is going to be a sloppy type of a game, and that's where it's just – I and again, without having that – the thing that makes Big Ben such a great quarterback is when he had like that Mike Wallace, that that uh, uh, Martavis Bryant, uh, the deep threat guy that he's going to be able to take his shots with while he's hitting Antonio Brown for 15 passes underneath, but he's going to hit four passes that are going to go for a minimum of 25 yards uh, to, to this guy. And he doesn't have it this year. Yeah. I mean, we've seen green be that field stretcher here over the last couple of weeks. We'll see if that can continue, but with how bad they are against tight ends, it, it's a possibility. Let's uh, flip over to the Cincinnati, Cincinnati side of the ball. Jeremy Hill coming off, you know, one of his best games of the season, Pretty much his two best games of the season have come against Cleveland, so it was, you know, fairly predictable. Had him in a lot of DFS lineups. It worked out. Uh, yeah, I think Jeremy Hill's another good play this week, though, uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, as they seem to be, you know, a lot more susceptible to run games than they do to opposing passing games. Right now they're allowing the fifth most fantasy points to opposing running backs, but the fifth fewest to opposing quarterbacks. So Jeremy Hill, I think they'll have to ride him. This should be a game where he sees 20-plus touches. And, hey, Houdini, you know those weeks I tell you you want to play Jeremy Hill? This is probably one of those weeks. You know what, though? But as I, I look into the numbers, I I, I kind of look at it a little bit differently. I, I kind of look at this as one of those weeks where it's going to be, how is Jeremy Hill going to do? And, and you know that the Steelers give up 
a lot of points to running backs, but a lot of that is not to the pure running running backs, which is what Jeremy Hill is. The Steelers give up only 90 yards per game on uh, the ground, but they give up and, and num- tied for number 12, 11 rushing touchdowns on the season. So to me, it's where they've been victimized has been more by that secondary uh, running back. Now, is that Rex Burkhart this week? No, I still think I agree with you that Jeremy Hill, just because of his volume, but I just don't expect it to be a glorious week like it was for me last week when he propelled me to victory in the first round of my 16-team league playoff. Thank you, Jeremy Hill. But I can see a touchdown, but I'm I'm being, I'm being tempering my expectations on the yardage that I'm going to see from Jeremy Hill this week. Now, uh, yeah, I'm definitely with. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let you respond. Uh, Yeah, but Jeremy Hill's also been very involved in the passing game since sort of that Gio Bernard injury that I'm not too worried about it. But, yeah, I think he's more of an RB, too. We know what he is. You're counting on a touchdown, and if you don't get one of those, you're not sure he's going to provide a great fantasy day. But. There's a lot of running backs that sort of could be said that about. Uh, I like Jeremy Hill this week. Definitely going to slot him into some DFS lineups again. Uh, Other side, what do you got? So here's the other question. It kind of leads into something else that we need to talk about here. A.J. Green. Now, is A.J. Green was supposedly going to maybe try to come back for this game? If he does come back, this is where I want to throw this in. I think that makes... Jeremy Hill, an even better start because I would expect AJ to be used more sparingly, be used more as a decoy, even though he has a great history of what he's done in those last couple games against Pittsburgh. Yeah. uh, AJ Green struggles against Pittsburgh. I just don't see him coming back. All, All the beat reporters are talking about him getting back to practice, them really seeing where he's at, and then maybe a potential week 16 you know, get back time. So I just don't think he's going to play. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be more Tyler Boyd again. You know, on the short routes, they're going to take some deep shots to LaFell. Tyler Eifert's going to be a strong play because he's their guy in the red zone. We saw that last week with two red zone touchdowns. You know, he's just a strong play every week. He's been one of the most consistent tight ends ever since he sort of got back playing a full complement of snaps. Just play Tyler Eifert. You know, play Jeremy Hill. If you need a guy in PPR, it's probably Tyler Boyd. If you need the guy in standard, it could definitely be, you know, the other side and be Brandon LaFell. And then, you know, Andy Dalton, we'll see how he executes. But at home in sort of this divisional matchup game, he seems to struggle whenever he plays inside the division. So he's not a guy I'm looking to stream this week. But I see a little bit of upside, but he's definitely not a guy that's going to be in my DFS lineups or anything like that. Yeah. For me, I, I I'm, I'm shying away from Andy Dalton. I I'm definitely shying away from Brandon LaFell in all aspects. I, I, I look at it this way. LaFell basically had one week where he boomed. And then you look at his other like three weeks prior. And then, you know what he did last week, just not anything spectacular. Tyler Boyd is the guy who they're kind of really grooming to be that TJ Hushman Zada, uh, alongside of A.J. Green uh, like it was when it was Chad Johnson and, and having that dynamic duo. They, they I think they believe that, that Boyd is that really that beautiful 
possession type guy who's never going to really hit you downfield. So you're going to get a, sh- a shot with LaFell, but I look at the amount of targets, the amount of yards. It's just not coming at a consistent enough level. At least with Boyd right now, you're getting a decent floor. You're probably going to get at least five uh, five catches for about like 60 yards. And, I, and I'll, you know, if I need that for that floor right now, I'll take it. So um, when we look at uh, Tyler Eifert, I'm also agreeing with you. He might be one of the most touchdown dependent guys that we've ever seen. Um, and, and, and it's, it's interesting too, just because he's just not giving you the total yards, even though you think that he would with what we have going on here. So, um, let's go ahead and let's, let's, I don't have anything else. I think we got, we're done with this one. So let's move on. We have the next game. We have the Detroit lions at the New York giants, the New York giants who just went ahead and upset Dallas. So now all of a sudden, uh, they're still in play. Uh, for a, a good playoff positioning here. And we have really a potential playoff matchup with these Lions and the Giants, although it could be reversed as far as where they will be playing the next time. Let's talk about the Lions first. What do you got, Stag Party, with the magic-gloved Matthew Stafford? I'm just wondering, you know, about that finger with Matthew Stafford. It's the middle finger. That's where sort of quarterbacks put a lot of their grip points you know, how is he going to be able to hold the ball and, you know, get it out to his wide receivers? Uh, I've got some concerns with Stafford, and we've seen the Giants, and if they play that style of defense where they're just gunning everybody, pressing their corners, it's going to be tough for the Lions, you know, offensive line to block all those guys up. And I think that's definitely got some potential this week, so I'm looking forward to seeing... You know, this matchup in general, I don't know if this is a great fantasy matchup. I think one thing Stafford needs, I'll bump up Stafford a little bit in my ranks if we're sure Theo Riddick's going to be back out there at at running back. You know, we saw that sort of passing game element out of the backfield, the screen game missing without Theo out there. Even though Dwayne Washington sort of, you know, stepped in decently into the role, I, I just think he's more of a you know, two down thumper rather than complete running back, even though we've seen some highlight reel catches, you know, on his college tape and stuff like that. But uh, we haven't really seen them use him in a, you know, pass catching role. So that that's one thing to temper expectations on. I hope Theo Riddick's back out there because he provides just a totally different dimension for this offense. Golden Tate, you know, he's had some great plays against his corner matchup. Uh, he's got nine targets against the guy, and he's caught, or he's got six targets against him. Caught five of six passes for 120 yards and a touchdown. So we've seen him beat uh, this cornerback, Janoris Jenkins, here before. We'll see if that can continue. I, I like Tate this week, even though he didn't really get it going. Ebron, you know, he's boomer bust. Uh, he's a guy who can have 100-yard games, 10-catch games, you know, score a touchdown for you. Or he's a guy who could just completely disappear from the face of the offense, and that's more of what we've seen out of the him in the past couple weeks. Marvin Jones got open on some deep passes, you know, lots of defensive pass interferences uh, deep down the field that was able to move the offense. Other than that, yeah. I don't know if I could really trust Marvin Jones, but he's that boom bust wide receiver three. And that's all I got on this offense. Well, I, I kind of, my view on them this week is I think that they escaped a trap game last week 
right? With the uh, uh, with the Bears, and you go into this matchup, which is a hype matchup, and you have the Giants who are coming off of a hype matchup against Dallas the week before, and this being potential playoff type matchup right now, I see being trouble more for Detroit. Detroit has not been here before. They're not as battle-tested. They're having to play outside of the Dome. You have uh, New York, who is a battle-tested team, a more veteran team. I I just look at it where I agree with you that, you know, Janoris Jenkins is the big high-priced signing that they had. Golden Tate might be the one exception out there who's going to have a nice game, and you're 100% right that they need Theo Riddick. If you're thinking about starting Matthew Stafford this week, you better have Theo Riddick in the in the lineup because otherwise I, I I don't know that I can put Stafford that high. I mean, I might even have Stafford out of the top twenty of my running backs without Theo Riddick. Look, look what they did to Dallas. Look how they shut down that 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 passing attack, that running attack. And if you don't have Theo Riddick, you're gonna have trouble in New York. I, I I agree. Need Theo Riddick back to feel great about Stafford. Let's flip over to the Giants side. I don't feel great about anyone like Odell Beckham and nobody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. You 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 look at the Detroit Lions from a defensive standpoint, right? And what what you're seeing with, with the Lions is a team that that can be beat. I think you know. Uh, they're getting beat by the tight end most most effectively. Now, when you look at the Giants, you say, what do we got for tight end? Well, it's Will, Will Ty. Uh, no. Uh, I, I do see that Eli Manning can have an effective week. What, the one thing that, that gives me encouragement, again, when we talk about seeing some of these ancillary players, these are the guys that become important in, in these fantasy uh, playoff weeks, and they're usually rookies or younger players that are finally starting to get more comfortable into the offense. Sterling Shepard started to show a little bit more last week. Uh, I think that's really important. You have Odell Beckham, who hit on the big, long touchdown, also had, holy crap, because I won a game because he dropped those two stupid passes that he, the other one, the first one that should have been a touchdown, and the second one that just, I don't know how he dropped that pass. So you 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 look at this situation. That was an interdivisional matchup. This is one of those games. This game's it's not. I look at New York as being they're going to kind of carry this momentum. I, 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 we've seen it before from the Giants uh, when it was under Tom Coughlin. Um, I just look at the late trajectory under Eli Manning. They always tend to hit their stride late in the season, and they, they seem to be hitting it now. And McAdoo, who I just watched Eddie the Eagle. Um, you know, and he, he looks a little bit like Eddie the Eagle as well. If we talk about comparisons for uh, McAdoo. So my problem with Eli Manning is he's pretty much been dog shit all season. He hasn't, you know, put together a very viable fantasy performance. He hasn't shown those upside games of 300 yards and three touchdowns that he had the last couple of years. I don't see the upside. I see a lot of downside. Over the last five weeks, the Detroit Lions have allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, It's just under 10 fantasy points a game. 
three touchdowns, six interceptions. They haven't really gotten beat by any opposing passers. Uh, even though they're giving up a good, you know, sort of completion percentage, they're not giving up, you know, boatload of yards. Uh, you know, just 202 to Blake Bortles, then 224 to Sam Bradford, 212 to Matt Barkley. You know, they give up 326 to Drew Brees, but they didn't let him throw any touchdown passes. It's just been very good for these guys as of late. Um, they've sort of turned their defense around. They're getting more pressure. Their defensive secondary starting to play better. I want nothing to do with Eli Manning. We saw Odell Beckham, you know, take a slant route to the house, and he's just been, you know, we've, we haven't seen that overall target capacity and consistency coming out of him, but he's still an every week start, and he's got so much upside in any given week that, that you play the guy and you don't really worry about it. Sterling Shepard over the last couple weeks, you know, just four and three catches, uh, what do you have, 21 yards the week before with a touchdown, and then 31 yards last week. Um, his targets have seemingly been cut in half since the beginning of the season. I, I just don't want anything to do with it. And Paul Perkins is the guy who got a lot of work last week. Uh, but any given week, they could just up, turn it around, give it you know, to Rashad Jennings 18 times a game. But... I can't play and trust any either of those running backs with just how horrendous this offensive line's playing. And if Detroit can get pressure like they have the last couple weeks, and Eric Flowers, you know, that Giants tackle, has given up more pressure than anybody in the league over the last two seasons, it could spell disaster for Eli Manning. I want nothing to do with Eli Manning. I want nothing to do with Sterling Shepard. Nothing to do with Will Ty. Not playing either of the running backs. It's Odell or Bust for me. Okay, I want nothing else to do with the rest of uh, that game. So before we before before we go to the Colts and the Vikings, it's time to pay the rent. All right. So in the spirit back. of holiday season, in the spirit of the holiday season, you should have gone with it's turbo time, but I'll accept that. So, looking at Indy versus Minnesota, you you know Minnesota plays great at home. Indy's coming off a game in which they struggled against another tough defense in Houston. How are they going to be able to sort of rebound? Because uh, they sort of need to win out to have any hopes at a postseason shot. They're going to need this one at Minnesota. But Minnesota's been playing tough at home. You know, they've been getting their run game going a little bit more over the last couple weeks compared to earlier in the season, uh, which could be good for Minnesota to control the clock, keep it out of Andrew Luck's hands. But yeah, Andrew Luck, I can't sit the guy against Minnesota. He's still a bottom end QB1. For me, he's got. So much upside in any given week. When you look at Luck, you know, he's got a high floor because even if even if Minnesota were somehow get out ahead, they just have to rely on this guy to bring him back. T.Y. Hilton's been the best receiver in, you know, arguably, you know, he's the top five receiver in football right now. He's a top five fantasy receiver. He's going. What do you think? Uh, okay. So, Let's let's just narrow this conversation because this is important for a lot of uh, our listeners out there uh, who are luck owners, and, and I'm one of them. And I'm one of them that's in a in a tough situation because this matchup 
the Minnesota Vikings have only given up 15 passing touchdowns all season long. They've intercepted 12 passes. I believe that Harrison Smith should be back for this game. Um, you have – so I'm in a situation – so I have, I have Andrew Luck, but then I also have a Dak Prescott and a, and a Colin Kaepernick. So, you, you know, in those type of situations, like normally – if I was just looking at things from the beginning of the season on, of course, of course, it's Andrew Luck. I'm I'm playing him a hundred percent. But then, uh, you know, you have, you know, what's also known as the play the matchup. You have Colin Kaepernick who's going up against the Falcons this week. So that that's a that's a great matchup right there. And you got the Cowboys going up against the Buccaneers, who've been a better defense as of late, but still not a great defense. You know, where 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 should owners feel? Using just kind of use this as like a, a a a parameter for you know how strong how strong do you feel about luck is what I'm asking. I, I don't know that I feel that strong about luck because currently I have Dak Prescott in my starting lineup. I feel like if you sh- should have watched Dak play more over the last couple of weeks, um, he's he's really been struggling. Even though he had you know, a good fantasy performance three weeks back, scoring over 20 fantasy points. We've seen him really struggle over the last two weeks. A lot of pressure. And, you know, he, he seemingly struggled with pressure recently. So now teams are just going to blitz and blitz and blitz this guy. Andrew Luck, if you blitz him, he's just going to complete passes to his tight ends quickly. He might get hammered after that. Or he's going to take his deep shots to the T.Y. Hilton monster that he is, you should start Luck. I mean, he's been one of the most consistent fantasy passers on the season. You know, he's got a 16.4 pretty much in any given week. Minnesota has only allowed, what, four or five passers on the season over 16 fantasy points. But this is also on a fast track in a dome, which is good for Luck. It might also be good for Minnesota, but... Especially if they're missing Harrison Smith again, I'm going to bump up Luck even more. But his consistency, and if we know Minnesota could take out Frank Gore, which they might, and make this offense one-dimensional, and he's going to throw it 40, 45 times in this game, he's going to make some passes. Yeah, and and, uh, I kind of duped you because I have to start Luck because I also own T.Y. Hilton. And I'm going against a guy, you know, with with that double points matchup. But I just brought one to bring it up as a count as, as a point counterpoint because I, I'm with, with with when you're invested that far, and, and and it's true. Don't just look at season numbers and everything, right? Look at the look at the microcosm, and that's what you brought up with uh, Dak Prescott. Look what he's actually really done in the past couple weeks, and you know, starting to see when that pressure starts to get thick and, and heavy. Now, the other guy that's interesting, though, is, is Colin Kaepernick I find to be interesting just because of what he might be able to do. But we'll I just – not him later. Yeah, but, but, but at the same time, just not trusting as much. I agree. I'm not starting Frank Gore. Um, I, 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 I'm looking for, for a different option this week than, than on the road. Uh, I, I love what he's done on the season. But it's – for me, it's the decision of – because I – Dorsett's not really startable. Um, Moncrief has been like, give me a touchdown or you're not really giving me much of anything. And it's been the tight end. Well, now he's got a hammy and a shoulder. 
So Don't we'll see that. if Moncrief's even able to play. If Moncrief's able to play, you know, maybe it bumps luck up a little more, but this is a guy who could be out, but he's still a touchdown maker. But T.Y. Hilton plays so much of his slots out of the snap, or out of the so much of his snaps out of the slot that he should avoid a lot of Xavier Rhodes. That means if Moncrief's in, he's going to get a lot of them. And then I don't really want to start him, you know, with his touchdown or bust pretty much game right now. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of Jack Doyle for me. And Jack Doyle's the real guy who's been the passing down work, even though, you know, two weeks ago on Monday night, Dwayne Allen was the guy who scored all the touchdowns and, you know, had pretty much the best game of his career. No, you. you I, I think Doyle... You hit the nail right on the head. That, that's where I was going. Doyle, who's perennially on the waiver wire as a guy that you can pick up and plug and play, and is being heavily targeted by Andrew Luck because you know he, he's he's a little bit he's a lot more shifty than than Dwayne Allen is. And you know I'm not that that Dwayne Allen game is that is 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 that white elephant right? It's a, that albatross type of a game that you just have to throw it out. And you, you can't look at it as any type of a reference for truth. It's not a truth serum. It's, 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 a, it's a false indicator. Yeah. I mean, Jack Doyle is the pass catcher. He's the guy they like in between the 20s. Then they'll sort of bring Dwayne Allen in in the red zone because then they're allowed to get a little bit more push. Frank Gore is an RV2 on a weekly basis but he's been getting pilfered by Robert Turbin a lot of this season. And, and, and it sucks to see when you look at your final Gore stat line. He's probably going to finish as a top 12, top 15 running back on the season. But Turbin's pilfered you know, four or five rushing touchdowns from the guy. Yeah, but if you need the safe play and you know you need six to eight fantasy points in standard, Frank Gore, you know, he's your guy for that. He could do a lot worse. I think we pretty much hit on all the weapons here. We need to follow up with Dante Moncrief. We need to check his injury status for later in the week, see where he's at, and then you know decide what you could do with Luck. But I, I'm not really excited about playing Moncrief this week, even if he is healthy, unless you're just hoping for touchdowns. Um, on the other side, let's flip over to Minnesota. They get a great matchup. Yeah, I, I'm all excited about this. This is another guy. Let's start with Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford was in my waiver wire piece this week as you want a guy that you can stream, plug, play. Bradford would be one that you can stream, plug, play. Um, the Indianapolis Colts defense has not been very good at all. They're, they're giving up uh, the fourth most amount of points to quarterbacks at 18.2 points per game. Um, you... Look at uh, uh, what the Colts are doing as as far as um, uh, it's two hundred. I'm sorry, two hundred and seventy four yards per game that they have allowed. Twenty three passing touchdowns, forty five passing plays of twenty yards or more. So when you're looking at this, it says to me, "Hello, Stefan Diggs." And the other guy that's going to be the huge benefactor in this one is hello, Kyle Rudolph, because the Indianapolis Colts are atrocious uh, against tight ends. Uh, They are allowing, uh, was it uh, 8.5 points per game? So I, I I just like this matchup big time 
for for Minnesota. And these are a lot of players that are on waiver wires in some leagues, you know. But Diggs is definitely a PPR gem of a start this week. What do you got, Stags? Yeah, I agree with you on Diggs. I agree with you on Rudolph. I want to start them both. Adam Thielen, if he's still on the waiver wire, could be a great plug-and-play guy at wide receiver this week who's you know been heavily targeted over the last couple weeks, has been a red zone threat for them. So I'm definitely interested in him. Jarek McKinnon, he's been getting a steady diet of carries. Those should pay off against the Indianapolis Colts, who are allowing 20 fantasy points to uh, a game to opposing running backs. Matt Asiata, uh, n- unless you're just in like a touchdown-only league, something along those lines, I don't really like him, but could he score a touchdown? Sure. <laughs> Uh, rest of the guys, Sam Bradford's an interesting streamable option, you know, in that back end QB one, QB two sort of range. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of those points. So let's just move on. I, I, I like a lot of the pieces of the Minnesota passing game and e- even Jarek McKinnon and his involvement, uh, overall. So let's do a little quick pyro promo here. You know, stay with us. In the off-season, we are a full-season, full-year-round podcast. We put out a lot of content in the off-season. Put out, you know, during the playoffs, we'll do a lot of sort of pre postseason wrap-up pieces, you know, overviews of the pieces we do during the season. We'll look at sort of how how we did uh, in a lot of different aspects and how each player sort of performed, you know, how touchdown-dependent are they, and then we'll start working on our draft kit and other things along those lines. Yeah, I just want to say the off season. If you've been listening to us during the regular season, we're helping you to craft your your team during season. You need to be with us in the off season because it's actually the most fun podcast. It's more free form. We don't have to talk about each team and a matchup we actually get to talk about strategy uh different ways that we approach the game things that we and we have ever evolving ideas and thoughts and 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 ways that we look at the game too you know we've went from being five years ago six years ago a super heavy fantasy running back dependent league and we were doing insightful research four or five years ago noticing the trend that it was moving toward a, a passing league and these are the type of things that we are always trying to stay on the cusp of and and we talk every week so it's 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 an amazing uh, in, a journey with us through the off season so don't uh, don't just turn tune us off because football is over because football never ends yeah let's uh talk about Jacksonville at Houston where this is a game I wish football would sort of end <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh let's Jacksonville, what do you got? <laughs> this, God, this really is the story of disappointment. Um, you know, if I if I had my sound bites uh, with me, I would have to go back to the um, Kevin Klein in Fish Called Wanda. Disappointed! Because I can say that for Blake Bortles. I can say that for TJ Yeldon. I can say that for Chris Ivory, even though he's not going to be out there. You can say it for Allen Robinson. You can say it for Allen Hearns. You could say it for DeAndre Hopkins. You could say it for Lamar Miller. You could say it for Brock Osweiler. Uh, you could say it for everybody that was supposed to be anything on any of these goddamn teams. Stop with the Lamar Miller hatred. All right, fine. Stop he, it. He's had he's had a 
a couple decent games, but he's been on bitch slap for three in a row. And two of those three are wrong. No, you well, you can debate me on that, but I I, I don't think so. Not for where he was drafted. Yeah, that you've had a lot more disappointing players than Lamar Miller this season. Uh let's let's I've, sort of hit up Jacksonville. Let's hit up Jacksonville on their side of the ball. Uh who do I want to start here? Let me make this list long and short with no one. Uh, I can't confidently start any of these guys in a fantasy playoff matchup and feel great about it. You could probably, you know, play Allen Robinson, even though he's probably going to get, you know, PFF's number two ranked cornerback in in Boye. But we saw him, you know, sort of exploit him earlier in the season, co- coming away with a hundred plus yards and a touchdown in that last matchup. So, you know, Allen Robinson's best game of the season pretty much came against these Houston Texans, but the Texans seem to play better at home. Uh, their offense executes a little better. So, you know, Allen Robinson's a wide receiver three. That's boom bust. Marquise Lee's got some flex appeal. You know, he's been the guy, you know, who shouldn't get great cornerback matchups, plays a lot out of the slot. So he'll get, you know, a lot uh, of just, you know, guys off the streets for the Texans. That that's probably the only two guys I'd play. I'm not playing Bortles with any confidence. Uh, you know, Julius Thomas has pretty much seemingly missed the entire season, even though he's played more than half the games. He hasn't been great. Uh, T.J. Yeldon got back involved as the workhorse running back. It was okay. Didn't do anything overly impressive. Didn't do anything awful. So if you want to go that route and you're looking for a guy who's going to get a workload that you can maybe pick up off waivers, you know, TJ Yeldon could be there for you in some leagues. I know he's decently owned. Yeah, you you know, for Yeldon, it's all because, you know, if Shoelace and Ivory both being out, that's where he becomes finally gets enough uh, touches for him to actually be viable. Marquise Lee is a guy that I'm most interested in because this is a player that you could have picked up uh, five weeks ago, maybe you picked him up four weeks ago, maybe you picked him up last week. He's become the second, almost basically the main target. When Allen Robinson gets taken out of a game, they can go to Marquise Lee, and Marquise Lee is showing that he's been more more than just viable. You know, it's taken a while. He had a lot more expected of him. It didn't happen. But he's worked hard, and you can see that hard work paying off. Um, but outside of that, you know, and Allen Robinson, I mean, honestly, is 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 almost worthy of being benched in a, in a lot of situations. And again, going against Boye, I I would say at this point in time, you know, I, I'm not going to live off of the 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns that he had last year. And I'm going to say, if I have a better option, I'm going with it. Yeah, he's a boom-bust wide receiver three, uh, and that's all there really is to say about it. you got to be comfortable with that range of outcomes of pretty much zero to 20 fantasy points because all those things are in his range, and it's been a lot more of the single-digit games than you'd like to see. Uh, Let's flip over to the Houston Texans side. What do you got? Well, so with the Texans, all right, so I'll give you Lamar Miller. He's been at least – 
steady enough. When I'm talking about being bitch slapped, that's because you haven't given me the any. Has he given you one game this this year where he's won you your fantasy week? No. So yeah, both times against the Colts. Really? That was he the, won me a bu- he won me a bunch of money in FanDuel this week too. It, uh, all right. Well. It's not the type of games like Le'Veon Bell gives you, right? It's not the type of games like David Johnson gives you. It's not the type of games like DeMarco Murray has given you this year. They've been more struggles. And for uh, uh, you know, for everything that we saw in Miami and for everything, everything that we knew that how it was going to go, I just don't feel like it's gone as well as it, as it could have. So, you know. What do you think Lamar Miller is ranked in rushing? It's probably ranked like uh, number – Nine, sixth, six, sixth in the league in rushing. The only problem is he hasn't given you touchdowns. He's got five total touchdowns. Oh, okay, on the well, that's season. the only problem. That is, I, I mean, well, hold on a second because th- that's like the argument. You know what? To me, I know who he is. He's the Maurice Jones Drew who had the most rushing yards or whatever that one year when everybody else got injured, and he was like the number one scoring fantasy running back. And it was not a great year by Maurice Jones-Drew. And anyone that owned Maurice Jones-Drew that year will tell you, it wasn't like, yeah, it was glory, glory. It was just grind it out. You know, your 100-yard games are 107-yard games. They're not 170-yard games. Sure, he hasn't had the absolute blow-up, except for the first time against the Colts when he scored nearly 30 fantasy points. And that was a league-winning type of week. One, but one. Th- one for a top and then, for a first round pick for you, right? Yeah, a second round pick, but sure. I'm just saying that when you look at it in the season as a whole, he's probably going to finish as a top 10 running back. And that doesn't seem like a guy you could bitch slap. I mean, when all the other guys get injured, you can't blame him for just slowly going out there every week with injured shoulders and knees and ankles and consistently producing for a fantasy team. I I can blame you. If you're only giving me seven, eight, nine points a week, you need to be giving me some, some bigger booms than just one 30 point uh, week performance. All right, man. We're just never going to agree on this. Hey, Uh, write your own article. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Lamar Miller, you start him against Jacksonville. He He's going to get you 7, 8, 9, 10, you know, 15 points like Houdini says. You're not going to be happy, but he's just going to do it. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, probably, you know, boom bust wide receiver three. I don't know what else to say about it. CJ Fedorowicz left last week's game in the concussion protocol. That could leave you, you know, vying for a tight end if you were riding him and his consistent targets. You know, I. Other than that, Ryan Griffin. You know, we've really seen Will Fuller fall off from the first couple weeks of the season. You know, they took a couple deep shots to him last week, couldn't connect, and they've put the shackles on Brock Osweiler. It's like, hey, Brock, just just don't lose us, lose this for us, please. And now they're handing the ball off to Lamar Miller. They're handing the ball off to Alfred Brew. They're throwing screen passes to guys like Jonathan Grimes. And but yeah, I mean, I, let's move on. Why why do we spend so much time on this game? We're done. I'm <laughs> done. I'm done with it. I, I said we should take a break and uh, let some sponsors talk. Ah. 
And now that we're done with that, let's talk about New Orleans at Arizona. Drew Brees coming off his second straight game without throwing a touchdown pass. Hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in over nine quarters. In that strap, that basically... He had a string of 125 straight games in which he hadn't gone back-to-back games without a touchdown pass. Now he gets Arizona in their tough sort of defense, uh, even though they just sort of got torched by Ryan Tannehill for three touchdowns. But they're at home. It's tough. It's tough. I I don't don't know what to think about this. Okay, well, let, let me help you out. I don't like Drew Brees this week. Um, this is just one of those matchups where at at this point, the Cardinals have basically blown it as well. So they're, they're playing for pride. Um, so I, I see both these teams when you're talking about fighting it out, Drew Brees is just going to have trouble. I, I, I just don't see it any other way. You don't have Michael Thomas, has just not been as much of a difference maker as he needs to be over the last couple of weeks. Brandon Cooks makes a big play here or there, but he's not a consistent threat. Uh, Kobe Fleener just drops balls and 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 it just becomes invisible for for points in time. Um, you don't have Ingram has been a, a really nice play, but he's dinged up and he's not giving you the the ability to give you that consistency with the running game. And even with him and Hightower and Cadet, you just they're not putting enough together, and their defense is putting them in bad situations. I, I, I don't like how it stacks up on the road against Arizona at this point in time for this game. I, I think this could be a rebound game for Drew Brees. Uh, you know, Arizona... If you attack them the right way, they've been very susceptible to you know secondary wide receivers. They need to get Michael Thomas back healthy. He missed last week's game with you know sort of that ankle injury. If he's back in the lineup, I think that means Patrick Peterson covers him, and that could leave Brandon Cooks against their secondary corner, you know Cooper, uh, which could lead to good good things for Cooks except he's just a boom-bust play as well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of these wide receivers who we thought were consistent options who just turned into boom-bust propositions, and, and that sort of sucks for fantasy owners because you're not getting that stability uh, of constant, you know, targets and, and things along those lines. Brandon Cooks and Drew Brees, you know, were on the same page last week. Cooks dropped a long touchdown pass that should, you know, have scored and, you know, would have changed the complete makeup of Drew Brees. Could, would have changed the whole outlook for Brandon Cooks. But, yeah, we need to see them get it going a little bit more. Willie Sneed was the guy who was very involved. He should be very involved out of the slot again. We'll see if they can get the Honey Badger back this week. But I, I don't know why they're going to push him being out of the playoff picture. Uh, why are you going to push Honey Badger back to it? They put Tyvon Branch, the guy they had been using, you know, as that slot back, they threw him on IR, so he's now going to be out there. It's going to be it, – it should be a good thing for Willie Sneed. I, I'm not trusting Kobe Fleener against this Arizona defense that is the toughest against opposing tight ends. Hasn't allowed a touchdown on the season. But Breeze, just temper expectations. He's on the road. 
which means he's probably not going to pass for, you know, 365 yards, more like 265 yards. I think he's more of a back-end QB1. I, I think he rebounds a little bit, though, and scores a couple touchdowns. All right, well, I mean, I can see the rebound, but I, I think you said it there at the end, and this is the way it goes with all of these players. This is a major, and again, um, for the, the, the for, for the certain games that are not division matchups, it's a tough matchup. And for the Saints, who are a team that normally is, has become a fantasy, you know, uh, a team that you really want to have players on a power and numbers type fantasy production team. This is a, a, a real piece of shit matchup to have to go to Arizona in, in Week 15. So, so I'm not I'm not liking as much of what I got going on there. But let, let's flip it to the other side, um, and, and let's think about the Arizona Cardinals uh, going against this New Orleans defense that has been susceptible. So I know that there has to be a player here that you might love more than others. Why don't you go ahead and 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 tell me what you what you think here for for Arizona? Let's see. Play David Johnson. <laughs> okay, that, there you go. Play Larry Fitzgerald. Play Larry Fitzgerald against the Saints. Both those guys should be in for big rebound games. David Johnson had one of his uh, more depressing sort of fantasy performances of the season, scoring just ten fantasy points in standard leagues. Uh, other than that, man, it, I don't really want to play anybody besides Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. I can see some appealing Carson Palmer, but Michael Floyd getting a DUI this week really isn't helping his case. J.J. Nelson, you know, he was wide receiver two last week in an absolutely crazy fantasy week, but he touched the ball just two times, wasn't out there on a giant number of snaps, he he's a flash in the pan that we've seen. You know he might get more snaps if Michael Floyd were to be disciplined by the team. He might be the guy that you know gets the bump up and snaps and plays on the outside. But we've seen him have that role already this season as the wide receiver two in this offense and, and do nothing. So I, I don't have a lot of. He's a boom bust like wide receiver four flex play. Like I have no trust in that. So, so the thing is, I had JJ Nelson, and it's funny that we that we went for it's a smoke screen in week fifteen, and I I put him in smoke and mirrors in my waiver wire last week. Two touches, two touchdowns, two bullshit fucking plays. It was an eight yard touchdown catch, and it was a fifty what fifty four or fifty six yard touchdown run. Regardless, he is he is. We talk about Tavon Austin. We talk about these other players who are more gimmicky players. That's what J.J. Nelson really is. John Brown's been a complete disappointment. Um, when you're you're right. There's there's when I look at this team, Carson Palmer, who went from being probably in one of the more better situations to to anything before everything was going on, is now in, in a horrible situation. It's 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 no good. I want to I want to start David Johnson. I want to start Fitzgerald, and I want to be done talking about this game. So I say we move on, and let's go ahead and let's talk about. Okay, we talked about it earlier. I, I kind of prefaced it. We got the San Francisco 49ers at the Falcons. So let me start, and let me say that this is the, a week where I look for a Colin Kaepernick 
where, you know, I, I'm looking at my, my Andrew Luck with my tough situation against Minnesota, and I'm saying, well, the Atlanta defense sucks. <laughs> I mean, the Atlanta defense. Does it, though? Well, they're second worst in the league at allowing points to quarterbacks. And I know that, uh, you know, a quarterback like Kaepernick who can add it on the run, and this would be a week where I could see him running for 100 yards, throwing for 150, uh, rushing for two touchdowns, and throwing for one, you know. Um, and that being a huge yeah. benefit. I, I understand. Yeah, go ahead. I, I understand all that, and I think I get where you're coming from, but – I've got major concerns. We've seen Kaepernick just really fail in the last couple of weeks, you know, against the Bears and then didn't do all that much. They asked him not to lose the game against the Jets. Now he gets an Atlanta team who's just sort of been hot recently. They've been getting to the opposing passer and, and you know, just creating havoc, creating turnovers. And that could be trouble for Kaepernick, who just locks onto one read. Um and they've been great at disguising coverage, you know, throwing Deion Jones out underneath, you know, some in routes and some curl routes and just getting him in places to make plays. And other corners have really started to make plays just on the ball. This is a gambling type of defense, and that could be bad for uh, Kaepernick, especially if they're getting pressure on him. Because we've seen Vic Beasley take that next step in his evolution towards becoming a dominant edge rusher and just getting to the quarterback seemingly whenever he wants. I see the upside of Kaepernick, but I also need to protect myself with knowing how much downside he has. And the fact that if there's too much pressure, he can be pulled for Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, the, the other thing is this, and this is why, as I said, I ended up still going with luck. And why I'm staying with luck is because at the end of the day, when I've been playing fantasy for what now, 24 years or whatever it is, I know that I don't want to lose my playoff game saying I benched Andrew Luck. (laughs) I played Kaepernick. You know, this is not the time to get that cute when it's when it's that close of a matchup. Yeah, and to go along with that, what you can do is you could throw a smoke screen at your opponent and put Colin Kaepernick in your lineup up until game time, and then you know you're gonna run that little weight swap. <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. So you 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 talk for a little bit because I'm gonna actually going to go in there. I'm going to put him in my starting lineup. All right. The only other guy I'm really starting from the San Francisco 49ers is Carlos Hyde. Uh, He was awesome last week uh, going up against the Atlanta defense that can be gashed by opposing running backs. Uh, I'm starting Hyde with some, you know, great, great confidence this week. Uh, He's a guy that even when they're down late in the game, they'll give him rushing opportunities. So I don't worry anything about Carlos Hyde. Other than that, I can't start Jeremy Curley. I can't start Torrey Smith. I'm not tucking myself into Quentin Patton. You know, Vance McDonald is gone on IR now after just signing a big contract. Uh, so, you know, definitely can't start him. But, you know, Garrett Selleck's going to hold some appeal as his replacement. Maybe a guy you could play in DFS. 
but yeah, it's, it, it all comes down to the only player I'm starting from San Francisco is Carlos Hyde. Col- Colin Kaepernick has some upside, has some downside. If you need one of those upside type games and you've got like a Sam Bradford or, you know, a Matthew Stafford, you know, it might be time to go Colin Kaepernick. But if you've got a better option, and, I, and you probably do if you're a Colin Kaepernick owner, you know, you got to strongly consider it. So before we talk about Oakland, San Diego, let's listen oh, to this. Wait, wait, hold on. Before we even listen to this, we need to get to the Atlanta Falcons. Oops. <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. Hey, oh, hey we, we always. You want to hear about the Atlanta Falcons? Hold on. This is one of the beautiful things about Pyromaniac. We, we sometimes make mistakes. And, and the best part is, is that when the person who makes the mistakes is the one who's drinking the monster and not drinking the alcohol. So uh, I, I give you props on that one, Stag Party. You, uh, you, you stepped in it for one me. One so This is because one of the things that we need to talk about here is um, Julio Jones. Will he be out there this week? Honestly, it's against San Francisco. Why risk it? I understand that you're going to need the you know playoffs sought and seeding, and you got to hold off these Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are surging. But I, I just don't risk a turf toe injury and in Julio Jones against a team with one win on the season. And if I'm a fantasy owner and he's out there, I don't, I don't, you know, I guess I'm not concerned because it is against San Francisco and he should be able to, you know, make a big play, but he could also be a decoy. I don't want Julio to play personally. If I'm an owner, I want him to sit, uh, and then, you know, play a Taylor Gabriel or an Aldrick Robinson or somebody else in his stead. Yeah. The thing that I, that I like about it is this. I, I think that if I'm a Julio owner, I don't want to play him. And I, if they play him, I almost don't want to play him anyway because I know that they can get this game can get away from San Francisco quick. I know that they can put it on him in a lot of different ways. And you know what? Maybe they just wanted to play him for five plays, and they decide, you know what? Let's just let's just rest him right now and keep him healthy, and let's go with what we got. So I would I would if you're a Julio Jones owner. The advice I'm telling you is just just play like it's not viable that he's playing. Even if he's playing, write it off and figure out what's the next best option that you have. And unless that next best option is absolute trash, you probably want to go that direction. And Taylor Gabriel, my God, like Tyreek Hill, this guy just shows up making the big plays, getting by people, um, but the person that I'm most excited for is, is two the, the, is the two running backs, Devont, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman should be running wild in this matchup, and they are must starts. Devonta Freeman with an A plus 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 rating, and uh, you got a nice A uh, to A plus rating for Tevin Coleman. What do you got? I mean, in the Pyro Heat Index, they both came out as top five plays uh like freeman was number two and coleman was number five i had to knock him down a little bit because that just didn't seem feasible like to get two of those players and then get some weapons in the past game and matt ryan to have a successful you know fantasy day which we we expect as well so 
I, I had to knock him down a little bit. But yeah, I think Devonta Freeman, if you survived his craptastic game in, in week one or in week one of the playoffs, you know, this is a game where you start him with z- with zero hesitation. And if you're Tevin Coleman, sort of, he's my flex RB2 guy, you start him without hesitation as well. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, also probably in starting consideration. He's been over the top over the last six weeks, he's been, uh, you know, a top 15 wide receiver in PPR leagues. He's making big plays. He's getting consistently involved. We see that touchdown upside that should come into play against San Francisco. But, yeah, I, I think you play everybody on the Atlanta side of the ball, and you do it without hesitation. So let's uh, let's take a second here and listen to this before we move on to Oakland at San Diego. All righty, Oakland at San Diego. We've got the Oakland Raiders who are coming off a defeat uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs on that Thursday night football. They're going to have some time to prepare for this game against San Diego. We'll see what they're able to do. You know, Derek Carr's got some time to get that pinky a little healed up. I like him against San Diego. I'm liking both of those wide receivers. And I like Latavius Murray. There's pretty much no guy I wouldn't play from the Oakland side of the ball. You know, I'm playing a Derek Carr, play Amari Cooper, play Michael Crabtree, play Latavius Murray. All those sort of secondary players like Seth Roberts, Clive Walford, Michael Rivera, Jalen Richard. Those are the guys I'm comfortable leaving on fantasy benches, you know, on the waiver wire. But I'm starting all the studs here. I, I think with 10 days rest, Derek Carr should be able to put it together against San Diego defense. Well, I, I also like it from the standpoint of, you know, where is this game really going to go? In, and I think that it's going to be more of a wide open type of a matchup, um, you know, and, and I think that this is one of those ones where you finally see the Raiders need to get a, a get back game. And I think that normally we talk about divisional matchups and we say, oh, well, you know, this is one of those situations where it's bad. Well, I think this is one of those ones where that familiarity is good. And the other thing that's good is that there's no Melvin Gordon. So there's not going to be as much of that ball control uh, type offense from San Diego where they're going to be able to play, keep away from you. And I think that's going to really benefit uh, the Oakland Raiders because it should be more of a shootout type of a game. And I think that's why you you got to love the your, your stars in this matchup. Let's just clarify that we don't know for sure that Melvin Gordon will be missing any time as of yet. Um, you know, they said the reports weren't all that bad on the hip, but they're also not going to rush him back in a non-playoff season you know, with one of their young, you know, future stars, they hope. But, yeah, I do agree that it should be a shootout. That's why I'm liking all these Oakland-type options in what could be an up-and-down game that's fun to watch in the afternoon slate. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm just saying I, I don't expect Gordon to play. And if he does play, it's going to be one of those limited-type roles. Again, as you said, you're not going to risk it. Now, on that San Diego side, that being said, that's where, you know, okay, I put him on the waiver wire, Kenneth Farrow. Uh, he was the guy that got all the, all the, uh, the, the carries. It, it, you know, the only reason why you might like him as, as a pickup if you got him how many guys can you pick up off the waiver wire? They're going to get you 15 plus touches at this point in time of the year. 
I mean, there's not many, and you also have to, you know, point block your opponent in case he needs a running back. He's been a zero wide receiver sort of aficionado all season. You know, didn't pick up anybody that was great to replace him. So, yeah, you just got to point block if you're, you know, point block a Melvin Gordon owner, you know, if he made it through the round. Yeah, so he's definitely a pickup if any other reason but for point blocking. But for starting, he's more of a uh, a running back to flex play. Uh, I haven't seen much to be impressed with the guy. He's small. We've seen some explosive plays. I don't know if he can hold up to a workload. But we're also going to see Ronnie Hillman mix in. Uh, what I bet is a good bit. He was inactive in that game, so they couldn't mix him in last week. Um, but yeah, I expect to see some Ronnie Hillman too. You know, the the thing that is interesting, you, we talk about the smoke screens. And uh, this is where it's interesting. If you have these extra spots on your bench, look at your opponents. Look who they have. Look where their holes are. Who's a player that they might want to go after on the, off the waiver wire? Be the dick, okay? Sorry, but be the dick. And, and take their player. You know, uh, in my league a, a couple weeks ago when Kaepernick was on his super hot streak, and I had uh, Keenan Allen is an auction league who I had like 50-whatever dollars at the beginning of the year. And this stupid league allows you to have $500 in fab money. So I've just been spending so much. I've had like a 25% of the cap space where nobody else has any cap space. And I just keep adding players at $30, $40. So Kaepernick comes available. I had Dak Prescott and, and Andrew Luck. I didn't need him, but I wasn't going to let anybody else have him. So I threw 40 bucks at him. If you're in these waiver wire positions, this is where you have to be strategically competitive, and that is on the waiver wire. And this is where smokescreen in week 15. Get on that waiver wire. Grab those guys that are going to be someone else's starter. Don't let them get a plug and play. Take it from them. Drop somebody else. I definitely agree with you there. Let's bring it back to the San Diego Chargers. I think Tyrell Williams and Dontrell Inman are both in play as wide receivers this week. We've seen they sort of alternate weeks. Inman will have you know his one shining moment. Then it'll be Tyrell Williams for a couple weeks. Then Inman will show up again. I, I like them both against Oakland. I, I think they both get going in a game without Melvin Gordon. They... They're just going to have to pass, even though we've seen Phillip Rivers struggle over the last couple weeks, throw a lot of interceptions here over the last five. Uh, it, it doesn't matter for these wide receivers. Antonio Gates, I also think, is a strong play. You know, he's got three games left this season. You know, we'll see if they try to get him that touchdown record against Oakland. He's got a very high scoring opportunity. Oakland gives it up to opposing tight ends. They they sort of don't have anybody who can cover that position. They give up, you know, eight and a half fantasy points a game to opposing tight ends. So I could start Gates. And even Hunter Henry's, you know, been involved for a couple targets a game and been heavily involved in the red zone. So he's also a guy, you know, in two tight end leagues and deep, deep bench leagues that you could potentially play. Let's uh, let's flip it over to the next game. Let's talk New England at Denver. And what at the beginning of the season probably looked like a playoff matchup. Now Denver's got to fight for their life, and New England's just 
just sort of hanging on for the rest of the season, seeing if they can get that number one seed all locked up. Yeah, they absolutely are. And um, doing it without Gronkowski, um, you know, just just showing you how great Tom Brady is. Tom Brady will, in this matchup, you look at it, Denver. There's Denver's number one against stopping quarterbacks, holding them to 11.9 points per game. Um, they're holding teams to, get this, the only team holding them quarterbacks to under 200 yards passing per game, 199.6 yards per game, and they've given up only 10 touchdowns, <laughs> passing touchdowns on the season. You want to talk about ridiculous, and now you want to tell me, all right, we have Julian Edelman, who is your little water bug type receiver in the middle. We got Malcolm Mitchell, who is emerging. Um, are there enough difference makers on this offense for Tom Brady to be able to exploit this defense and to do it in Denver? And to me, this is one of those ones where you drafted Tom Brady, you knew he was missing all those games at the beginning of the year, and now you need him in the playoffs and you draw the Denver Broncos. I'm I'm not I'm not happy with this matchup one iota. I mean, you could not be happy with it, but in that playoff game they had last year, Tom Brady scored 13 fantasy points. He's got a floor, you know, he's going to pass. Uh, we shouldn't see Garrett Blunt be able to hammer it in between the tackles, and that should open up the passing game. Denver can be exploited by opposing tight ends. We saw Martellus Bennett make some real nice plays uh, on Monday night last week. So I, I think between Bennett and the pass-catching running backs of James White and Deion Lewis, that's the best way to exploit this Denver defense where you can sort of avoid the corners, where you could use their running backs on linebackers, the tight ends on linebackers, and then hit those sort of plays. I, th- I still think you know, New England's going to be able to do whatever they want, moving the ball with sort of that dink and dunk passing game to the tight ends and running backs, and then Edelman going in motion and different things along those lines. I do have concerns for Chris Hogan, who you know has really only had a, a couple flash-in-the-pan games, had his second 100-yard game, finished his wide receiver one on the week. But Malcolm Mitchell, I've got some concerns. He's probably going to get a keep to leave, uh, and that guy could just beat him up as a young receiver, and he's going to gamble. So I'm excited to watch you know, Malcolm Mitchell and see if he could stand up to that task. I don't know if he can, but I just think you know, Deion Lewis and James White are going to be heavily targeted out of the backfield in this one. Yeah, I just have also a feeling that it's going to be more of a heavy LeGarrette Blunt game, and, that, and that's where... I, I see them wanting, you know, the Broncos aren't going to do anything on the, uh, and, and, and I'll use this as a way to shift, right? Okay, so let's first talk about that. I think LeGarrette Blunt stays in it because I think Denver is not going to be able to establish a lot. I think it's going to be kind of a uh, a lot of punts going on in this game. This is going to be one of those probably double-digit punt games. I could easily see it, 10 punts uh, between the two teams. So, but relying on who's going to win in the, in the, in the will of, uh, of 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 power, and 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 that is blunt because 
Who do the Broncos have at the running attack that's going to impose any will on this game? They don't. The, the, the New England Patriots have that one that one player, and that's the one weakness where the Denver has been susceptible in their in their defense, where they're ninth against running backs, whereas they're second against wide receivers, and and uh, I'm sorry. They're 22nd against running backs, where they're first against wide receivers and first against quarterbacks. So let me transition this now and let's roll over to Denver's side, where you got Trevor Simeon uh, back under center, and and thank God for that. They've kind of unfortunately realized here uh, that the running attack is just not very strong. Uh, so Devontae Booker, sorry, it it, uh, it didn't seem to work out. Uh, you know, we, we really hoped everything would go that way. It didn't. So who are your strong plays? It's the two strong plays that you've had all season long. It's Emmanuel Sanders. It's Demarius Thomas. And for whatever reason, Emmanuel Sanders has been the better play. I mean, what, how, what, how do you feel about that, Stan? Yeah, I, I think – I think Emmanuel Sanders is slightly the better play. Demarius Thomas continues to be heavily targeted. They're they both they're both real strong plays against New England this week. Is there's nothing from this running back attack that scares you? Justin Forsnet, you know, out snapped uh, and out touched uh, Devonta Booker last week. Booker sort of didn't shine with his opportunity and really struggles in pass protection. You know, Kubiak won't stand for that. He knows, he knows Forsett will stick his nose in there, block the guys, you know, in front of him. So uh, I don't want to play any of those running backs, but it's good for Simeon. So, and, and, but Forsett, what did he also do? Fumbled. Stupid son of a bitch. First, first carry with the Denver Broncos. Pretty similar to Devontae Booker, who did the same thing in the opening week. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you play the two wide receivers of Denver. You know, Trevor Simeon's probably an interesting streaming option. In, in two QB leagues, I think he's definitely in play as a starter. Other than that, I'm not going much on Denver. No, I agree with you. I had them both, Simeon and Sam Bradford, who we talked about earlier. I like Sam Bradford better with his matchup if you're looking for that streaming quarterback. But if Bradford's not there, I think Simeon's a nice play if you need to do that based on how your team is set up. All righty, let's get to the last two games. But before we do that, let's you know take a little listen to this. All righty, this is a flexed game of Tampa Bay at Dallas. It's going to have a lot of playoff implications, especially on the Bucks side of the football. Tampa Bay, you know, got a win against New Orleans, but they did it with stout defense and not really a offensive showing. I mean, Doug Martin got in the end zone, but not much else from their other fantasy relevant players. Charles Sims did make a you know, pretty triumphant return, made some electric plays, had had that sort of change of pace play we've been waiting from that position, an electric play from that position we've been waiting for all season. That was exciting to see, and that just brings a whole new dimension to this passing game. You're a Jameis Winston lover. He didn't throw a touchdown or score a rushing touchdown for the first time in what's believed to be his entire football career. Yeah, it, it was tough. It was tough for a Jameis Winston owner. Um, 
And honestly, when you look at this matchup, I don't think it gets a hell of a lot easier. You know, you you have the Dallas Cowboys who, you know, seem to be somewhat susceptible. I mean, okay, they're they're giving up 17.1 fantasy points uh per game to uh, uh to quarterbacks. Um when you look at uh what they've done as far as actual uh touchdown passes uh being thrown against them, they are are sitting pretty high. You know, you've got 21 touchdowns that they've allowed. They, they give up 279 passing yards per game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I look at this game for uh, Winston as a potential get-back, and it's also got to be a get-back for, you know, Mike Evans. Mike Evans had a shit game against New Orleans, and this was supposed to be where the strength of schedule was going to play majorly into his hands. Um it didn't happen. You're right. Charles Sims was pretty much the main real bright spot. Cameron Brait had a couple of catches, four for 47, really not doing much much damage at all. You know, you're going to have Sean Lee, who's going to be terrorizing Doug Martin again uh, this week. Doug Martin is just having problems getting off. And uh, I, I just have to yeah. – this is – okay, this is where it comes down to – Pressure, right? And there's two young quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, who's in his second year, Dak Prescott, who's in his first year. Less pressure is on Winston this week because they're the team that's not expected to win. So I I, I kind of like Winston as you, you know, you're talking about with your Drew Brees and that tough matchup that you kind of have that, 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 that now maybe it's a soft feeling because you're always just a big Drew Brees fan and I'm a big Jameis Winston fan here, but I kind of have that feeling of that bounce back type performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you a little bit, but one of my problems is these two teams are playing at two of the slowest paces in the league. You know, since sort of T- Tampa Bay's bye back there in week five, they really slowed down the pace you know, with their offense to protect that defense. And it's allowing that defense, you know, to play faster, play more aggressive when they're out there. Gerald McCoy, you know, has you know, provided a big spark as of late. And they've gotten some flash plays from the rookie Noah Spence. Uh, and it's just really helping their defense. But the pace is what overall worries me. Is there going to be a ton of offensive opportunities on either side of the ball to really get things done? Because we know Doug Martin's going to touch it 18 to 20 times. And we know Charles Sims is going to try and touch it between 8 and 10 times. And then they're also going to try to you know, get other guys involved, like Mike Evans, who's going to see a plethora of targets, and Cameron Brait, who's one of their main red zone threats. So I, I still like you know, Jameis Winston. I just think he's more of a it's, a... it's sort of a week where everybody feels like a back-end QB1, except for like Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. Uh Besides that, everybody sort of feels like a back-end QB1 in rankings. You don't really want to put anybody that highly. Uh, It just doesn't seem like a week where anybody's primed to go off in a matchup or anything along those lines. So Jameis Winston sort of feels that uh, pressure 
you know, can they get pressure on Jameis Winston is going to be the main factor. But yeah, I think you play all the plays here. I think you play Doug Martin, you play Mike Evans, you play Cameron Bright, Jameis Winston if you're a Winston owner and you don't really have a better option, which you might not. Uh, and then that's about it. So I got a question for you. Would you say I have a plethora of piñatas? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? I see I see zero piñatas in our Skype call right now. No, no, no. A plethora of piñatas. Now forget about piñatas. Plethora is the word. You use plethora. Do you know what I'm talking about? My quote, though. Would you say I have a plethora of piñatas? No, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. You've never seen The Three Amigos? I probably have. I just, I'm probably too young to remember it right now. Too hyped up on Monster. Let's uh, flip over to Dallas. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell, I'm gonna tell uh, uh, D-Rex. That's going to be the, uh, the logo now. Has to be El Guapo with the piñatas. Uh, so, anyway, go on. Let's, let, you, carry on, young sir. <laughs> Let's flip over to Dallas. I think you play Zeke. You don't worry about it. He's been a stud for you all season. There's not much likely to change in this game, in a game that's going to have a lot of playoff repercussions. I think you play Dez. Dez should be able to get back going against these, you know, inexperienced corners of, you know, Vernon Hargraves and, you know, and other guys who just aren't very good have been around the league uh, a couple different times. So I think you start Dez. I think Cole Beasley's interesting, but not really. Jason Witten should be able to do some things, but he doesn't have upside anymore. And Dak, if Dak, if, if Tampa Bay plays sort of defense like they have these last few weeks and are able to get pressure with their front four and also, you know, ramp up the blitz a little bit, you know, as we've seen Dak struggle with pressure here over the last couple weeks, it, it could mean, you know, bad things for Dak as a Dak owner. And I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to run because they really haven't unleashed that part of his game. Yeah, the, the thing is, too, you talk about amping up pressure. And how about Jerry Jones doing absolutely no favors to Dak Prescott, right? Uh, keep talking about Tony Romo. Keep talking about that there's going to be a chance. And and I was I was playing it off like, okay, if they can beat the Giants last week, then they put themselves in a situation where they've, Lock up the division. They've locked up home field. Uh, they've, 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 and they can take the last week off of the season. And we could say, oh, we're going to play Tony Romo in that last game. He'll start. He'll play. We'll rest uh, Dak, and we'll we'll be having him be prepared for the regular the postseason if we need him. But now it's becoming a situation where, look, you're putting so much pressure on Dak. It's another. It's a flex game, right? This was not supposed to be a island game. And now Dak has the absolute pressure of knowing that it's an island game and everyone's watching him again for two nights in a row. He's going to be on Sunday night football. And for whatever it's worth, these sports players and everybody that, that is competitive is superstitious and believes in bullshit as a bears fan. The one thing that we knew is that we sucked on Monday Night Football. You put us on Monday Night Football, it's going to be a fucking disaster and we're going to get our asses kicked. Uh, 
if he starts, he's already having these losses going on on Sunday night football. And now he's got a back-to-back Sunday night football game. And if he loses this one, then all of a sudden the whole things that haunted Tony Romo throughout his entire career is big game Tony. He's not big game Tony. And here's now Dak, who's kind of had the same type of luxury that, that Romo had. Romo kind of stepped into it and, and became the guy who was a glory, was leading all the victories. And then the December losses and the failures. And now all this is going to loom heavily. And you talk about pressure. And with Big D in Dallas and, and the way the football is in Texas, that's a lot of pressure for, for Dak. So uh, another reason why I will go with luck <laughs> in, my, in my game. Um, but a reason that I Nobody think – Nobody cares about your league. I know, but only I do. But I, I have to tell it. Go on. Go, take it over. <laughs> what do you think about his pass catchers this week? Anything? I Well, I like Desdos because I, I think what's going to happen is – that in this matchup you're, you're going to have to throw the ball and and, and I, but I think you can actually I think you no I changed my mind it's going to be Ezekiel you're going to, you're going to run hard you're going to run Ezekiel hard you're going to try to limit you're going to go back to the early stages of your season what was successful take pressure off of Dak let's not force it you know Des I'm not I I'm not sold. And I'm a Des owner, but I'm not sold that that I'm I'm tempering my expectations just because I don't know that there's there's not that commitment from a young quarterback to the star wide receiver like you normally see, and we have like like you've never seen before. They use him as a decoy so many times because of how good Ezekiel in the running game is. So when I look at this matchup. I'm really, I'm really high on Ezekiel, and I'm not. I'm, I'm, you know, we saw Beasley do it last week, and I kind of, I kind of feel like that's kind of going to be that outlet guy that they're going to use again, because it's. I don't know. I just, I just don't see it as a confident team in the Cowboys right now. If they were a confident team, you you run Ezekiel and you throw Dez and you just go at him. And I just don't feel it. All righty. So let's get on to this last game. But before we do that, let's uh, let's do a little quick pyro promo. I, myself, finished top 10 Fantasy Pros rankings yet again for the third straight week. Pyro Heat Index had a very good week. Finished as a top six ranker. Uh, got it going. So it, it was just a good week for the ranks all around. We'll uh, keep that going for you here in playoff time, you know, when it really matters most. Hey, who hits their mark at this time of the year? Someone could say, hey, we were we were number one all year, but what did you finish in, in, in the weeks 12, 13, 14, and 15, 16? Uh, well, you know, I averaged 49th then. We're averaging, we're at the top. You're at the top, Stags. You're on top of your game. This is where you win your titles. Check out our rankings. Check out Stag Party. He's on fire. Be on fire with us at Pyro. Yeah, I had a real good week in DFS last week. I played like 11 GPPs. I won 10 GPPs, uh, you know, for a pretty good ROI last week. Um, The only one I didn't 
win. I don't even remember setting. Like, it had Derek Carr and it, it had Amari Cooper, and they were both guys I was sort of down on for the week. So I don't even remember setting that lineup and how it got in there. <laughs> That's the only one I didn't win. Daisy did it. I think Daisy did it. Yeah, Daisy's bone picks got me. <laughs> they had to play one contrarian pick just let's, in case let's wrap. the other 10 were wrong. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's talk it up a little bit. Let's wrap it up. We're gonna talk Carolina Panthers at Washington Redskins on Monday night football on a game that many probably expected to have a lot more playoff ramifications, you know, this deep into the season as they were both playoff teams last year. Um Carolina struggling. So let's let's just hit their pieces. I think Cam Newton could have a good game running the ball, uh passing the ball. You know, I think it's more of a Ted Ginn, Greg Olson type of week than it's going to be Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin should get the Josh Norman treatment, and we've seen Benjamin really struggle here over the last couple weeks. Um, he's still getting targets. He just can't seem to create separation, which has always been his problem, and isn't converting on those contested catches right now. Uh, Greg Olson got back, you know, with 87 yards last week after having, you know, a streak of sort of tight end two performances rather than top 12 performances over the last couple weeks. Uh, I think Olsen should be in line for a good game. And, and Jonathan Stewart should be able to have a nice rushing performance against Washington, who, you know, isn't as strong against running backs and isn't very strong up up the middle. And they're giving up the 26th most fantasy points to opposing uh, running backs on the season, but they're also giving up 27th most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks on the season. So I could see a very good game out of Cam Newton, sort of. Maybe if you weathered his storm and somehow made the playoffs, which was probably hard to do for that price tag you paid for him. You know, I, I think this is a week you can go with them t- with some confidence. What do you think? Yeah, you know, the Carolina, the thing where they've given up the uh the, the points to running backs, it's 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 kind of veiled, right? So um where where I'm sorry, where the where the where the uh the the Redskins have, have given up the uh the points. So I, I like Jonathan Stewart this week. Uh I agree with you there. Um I and I and I too don't feel the Kelvin Benjamin, and I've been the Kelvin Benjamin backer, the person who's been telling you everything that it was going to be. I'll eat a little bit of crow. All right, fine. It happened. You know what? But I, I don't I don't put the full blame on him. I, I, I put the blame on this team really seemed to pack it in a couple weeks ago. And Devin Funches for – the the, the the other guy who I had been high on a couple of years ago. So this is this is just like the the Houdini horror show I'm 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 sharing with you right now. But Funches is actually showing some some potential at this point, and it's interesting um, to see how how he's starting to develop. And Calvin Benjamin's inefficiencies is allowing that to happen. But in the end. It's all Greg Olson this week. I think this is a big Olson week. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. Their uh, linebackers aren't very good in coverage. They don't have a safety who can you know necessarily match up with him. So I like 
you know, Greg Olson I mentioned. Let's flip it over to the Washington side. Washington, they've got a lot of playmakers right now. They might not all be wide receiver ones, but they all seem to be getting it done, and they're all complimentary pieces. Jordan Reed banged up, only played like five snaps last week. We'll see if that changes as Carolina's currently giving up the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends on the season. Uh, what do you like on the Washington side of the ball? Because I sort of like everybody. Houdini, I think I might have lost you there, man. Um, so to to sort of wrap up this whole matchup, you know, I like Kirk Cousins. I like all his receivers. Rob Kelly, I think, is more of an RB2 Interesting plays at each of the wide receivers. I think Deshaun has a chance to be that guy who gets deep, and I think he's a boom-bust wide receiver three. But we saw that deep ball ability really come out uh, and shine last week. Uh, other than that, I, I think Pierre Garçon's probably going to have a letdown after you know scoring a touchdown last week. But if you're looking for a guy for 5-50, to 50, Pierre Garçon is your man. Jamison... Crowder. I also really like his ability to bounce back in this matchup. Um, it, it should be something that's good for him. Uh, you know, going forward, he's been a top receiver sort of on the season. I, I definitely could see that paying off uh, again in this matchup. I, I sort of like Rob Kelly if Luke Keekley's to be out. Uh, I, I can imagine a situation where they decide to rest him. Uh, and if Keekley's out, this defense is a little bit different, you know, than when he's full strength in there. Uh, they've allowed, they're more like an average team against running backs when he's out of the lineup than pretty good at stopping the run, stuffing the run when he's out. Um, yeah, so I, I think Kelly's in play as an RB2. Jordan Reed's the one guy I have major concerns on. I have no idea how many snaps he's going to play. But if we get good reports this week that he's going to be back out there fired up and they're going to give him you know, sort of a full complement of snaps in a game they may need, uh, I, I got to think I'm playing Jordan Reed, even if he's going to be affected a little bit uh, overall by by opposing you know, defense, I'm not too worried about any of those guys covering him without Keekly in the matchup. Well, guys, sorry we lost Houdini there at the end. I'm sure he had some insightful thoughts to share with you about the Washington Redskins. But he got kicked off, man. The wife just had it in for him. She pulled him by his ear or something, and he was just gone. So we'll see if that, you know, curtails into another week. But, you know, thanks for joining us this week. We're happy to have you. Uh, thanks for listening. You can like, listen, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, Google Play. We appreciate you listening to us. We hope you have a good week, and we hope fantasy has a good week. That's nothing like last week. So thanks for listening in. We appreciate it. 